Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now listening to the Cast, the number one old school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Gellinor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Sebe Cast number 127 with Mod Ed. Mod Ed, how are we doing this fine evening? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. I'm excited to talk. I've uh, I've been a big fan of yours, honestly, for a few years now, and uh, I think the work you've done for Jagex has been phenomenal. So I'm just going to give you a little round of applause, just a solo round of applause. You've, you've done some great work. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, it, always, it always means a lot because um, I'll be honest, I'm always very, very critical of my work. So uh, whenever somebody's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't too bad, I'm sort of like, I'm not sure I believe you, but thanks all the same. <laughs> it's funny because like in the Q&A just earlier, you were literally saying like, you know, you, you can't really toot your own horn, you know, for the whole quest that just finished up. And it feels like nothing, as you said, once it's done, because you've just constantly been working on it just over and over and over and over and over. And when it's finally released, it's like nothing, nothing really special at that point. Um, yeah, but- it's like, um, it's, all, it, it, it's it's kind of sad in a way, I guess. But like, yeah, it's almost sort of like a, it's a relief. Like people always say, "Oh, what's what's the first feeling like after like launching something?" It's like a large part of it's just like relief. Like, okay, we're done. It's finally out there, and it's just a just get a small moment of relief. It doesn't last very long, so immediately you have to jump into post-launch fixes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just like um, is it is. It's very hard to um. Uh, generally, I get there in the end, like about probably about like um, a few months after launch. Once I've once I've got over the horrors of uh, whatever <laughs> whatever developing it was like, at that point I can normally look back and be a bit more reflective on it. But no, initially it's just sort of like, thank God it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I can imagine that's. It is really. It must be a special feeling though, just like knowing it's done and now, like 
a million people are going to experience. I don't know. I don't know the actual number, but like a lot of people are about to experience it for the first time. And it's all, yeah, it's always the anticipation. Like, okay, <laughs> what are they going to think? Uh, are they going to like it? Are they going to hate it? So we're going to, are we going to accidentally take the worlds offline and roll back before we even get to play it? Like <laughs> launch day, launch day of something is always, uh, it's always a mix of emotions. Uh, and, um, you never really actually, to be honest, on the day something launches, you never really get too much time on that day to actually really reflect too much. Because generally, um, you know, even when we have a really smooth launch, like there's, there's always going to be a few things to fix here and there. So you're normally like too busy, like focusing on that side, making sure everything's working all right. But you never really actually get to sit back and uh, um, like sort of see how it's going. So it often sort of like comes like at the end of the day, like after work's done, like I mean, find like uh, sort of see what are people saying about it? Do they love it? Do they hate it? I bet that's like, I, well, and and the community is very, um, I don't know, they they love this game a lot. Uh, I don't know if loves, I mean, <laughs> I guess loves the right word, but so they have very strong opinions, and you guys have to deal with all of it. So, do you worry sometimes? Like, are you more excited or more nervous on releases? Because I feel like inevitably there's going to be a small portion of players that's just complaining. Yeah, it's like. It, it, there is always going to be someone that doesn't <laughs> like it, and that is always going to be the person that is screaming and shouting the loudest. Like, that, that's just how it goes. And like, it's it's easy. It's easy to say like, okay, yeah, sure. There's always going to be someone that hates it. Don't 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 look at that Reddit thread. Don't, don't worry about what people are saying on Reddit. Like, but you can say that as much as you want. You're going to bloody check anyway. And yeah. like, that's always a one. That's always a one you remember. Like, oh, that, that one guy said this bit was wasn't quite right. Like. There is, a, yeah, there is always that, and like it is always like very nerve wracking. Like, say, often it doesn't even come into like a few hours after the launch that you even like look for the first time and sort of see what people are saying, and it's always the first thing you see as well. Like, if if I open up like Reddit, which I shouldn't, it's a stupid idea, but on launch day when I open up Reddit, if the first thread I see is negative, it doesn't matter if the next ten ones I see after that are positive. I'm like, oh, but there was that first negative one. Like, oh, we weren't quite, it wasn't quite right. Something wasn't quite right, and like. I know, like, I've been doing this for quite a few years now, at least quite a few quests. I, I know that you are not going to make everyone happy, yeah. but all the same, you're always, you're always going to feel that pressure on launch day. And it's always there's always that question of, like, oh, could something just be a little bit better? Mm-hmm. So how do you feel at the end of Desert Treasure 2? Do you feel like you went all in and everything was left out on the table and you're good? Or did was there little things that you're like, oh, I wish we had had a little bit more time to work on this? I think you all you always want more time. Like I think like I I think if anyone says to you that they got to an end of a project and was like, yeah yeah I'm good I'm ready to just sit back and relax and chill. It's like nah nah you're you're lying. Every everyone wants more time, but like I I do think for DT two it, it was it was close. It was it was close to getting everything. To fitting everything in but by the end of it on the whole i was sort of like i think i think this one has everything that i want in it like i think it is in a place where it's good where it's good to go like i don't know if that makes it good but about that's the thing like about as satisfied as i could uh could get with it which probably still is a uh, not not too much but um yeah it felt like um again i think i was going back to what i was saying earlier like oh, the biggest thing is sort of like relief sort of like I think I've got everything I want in here. I think this is what way I want it. 
let's just get it out there and see what people think. I think that's that's the thing as well. Like you can keep tweaking forever, even if we didn't have uh, the powers that be uh, glaring down on us. Like uh, don't delay it. You can't delay. You got to launch it. We've got money to be made. Like even if they weren't there, like you, you, at some point you just got to pull the trigger and release it because. That's You'll drive true. yourself insane. That's like, true. And I, I do like I, I like the sometimes the days like leading up to like um like sign off on a big project sometimes are worse. It's always just like, could I tweak this little thing? Could I tweak that little thing? And at some point you just have to go to yourself. You're banned. You're, you're banned from actually <laughs> opening up the game and looking at your work because you will find something else that you want to change about it. You got to just you got to just put it in people's hands and see yeah. see what they think. Okay, so I need to ask, what was your favorite part working on that quest? I do recall just earlier in the Q&A, you were saying um, most likely the little shadow realm. And I actually have some other questions alongside that that I'm very curious. I don't know how much you'll be able to share. But yeah, what was your favorite part of designing Desert Treasure 2? Yeah, I do think it probably was the uh, the shadow realm section. Like, there, was, there was a lot of things that... I'd wanted to do for a long time, but I was able to get into this quest, and that was definitely sort of one of the ones that were up there. Like uh, you said, you mentioned like on the Q and A, um, was saying that this was something I wanted to do for a very long time. Like it's just it's such a really fun bit of a uh, gameplay, both both from like from the gameplay side of playing with it, and also from like the technical side as well of um, having having like two different versions of the same area. There's so many things you can do like uh, with puzzles and that sort of thing. And, and indeed with boss fights. So, you know, we use it in a boss fight too. And it was something I've been wanting to do for years. And I had a very different idea initially. Like there's a, there, I had an idea for another quest one, but I, I don't, it's not one we've launched. I don't know if this one will ever launch. Like we've got, got all sorts of crazy ideas floating around for all sorts of quests. But there was this one quest that I had this idea for that, um, delved into um like time travel a little bit um and there was this idea of like um having two different versions of the same area that you traveled backwards and forwards in time doing different things in each one and when it came to doing dt2 it's like yeah we've got to do it here like it'd be missed opportunity not to we've, we've got a, we've got a quest where we're doing shadow stuff we've already got like this background like law that already exists about the shadow realm like this parallel universe that's pretty much the same which is a little bit different like it'd be missed opportunity not to take it so i was like all right we're finally doing it we're doing it here and it was uh it was really is the thing about like designing puzzles like that it's almost like a puzzle in itself designing it like trying to piece everything together and like work out how it's going to work and like Honestly, like the, the the earliest versions of it were horrifying. Like you would, that, that's a thing people maybe never like uh, fully uh, realize. Um, but when we're making a quest, honestly, like the first the first draft of some of this shit is it, it's just that shit. Like <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and maybe we sort of like refine it. Um, but yeah, like. Um, I was really happy with how it turned out in the end. Like I say, some of the early versions, I was like, oh god, is this a good idea? It's not actually really playing very well. And like, the thing I was worried the most about with that one is that, um, would it just get tedious? Would it be something that feels like really cool initially? Like, oh wow, switching my phone between two realms. But then after a while, just like, oh, now I've got to go back to this realm and do this because I can't do it in this realm. It just gets really boring and tedious. And like, I think the first version probably was, but I think we managed to refine it into a good place in the end. And it came out like, really well and it's one of those things as well that um 
it's such a cheat because I sort of rely on other people to make my work better. Um, like once we got the final art in, and once we got the audio in, like especially with the music track, that's when it all really started to feel like it was coming together. It's like okay, brilliant. Maybe even if the gameplay is crap, people love it so much <laughs> just because of how amazing the city looks and how cool this audio track is. Um, hopefully, I think people enjoy the gameplay as well. Is it's one of those things where the, the magic always happens where everything like comes together perfectly. Like some, you, you often get things where it's like, um, you know, we're making something and you know, some bits are good, some bits are all right, some bits are bad. And like, yeah, but ultimately, if you add it all together, it probably still equals, hopefully, maybe a good, a good product. But there's ones like that where it sort of felt like the end, everything sort of came together and it really just like, when the gameplay and the story are perfectly interconnected, like when the, when the music is adding to it and the art is adding to it and it all combine it all together, it just feels really special. And that I think we managed to do with the, the shadow area. And that, I would say it was probably my favorite one as a result. It's really cool. I loved it. And you, you guys did a good job with like the teleporters around the city. I think that made it a lot more, not, not like it wouldn't have been bearable, but it feels like you're just getting around a lot quicker with those teleporters. So that was good. Yes, yeah, stuff like that. That was the stuff that was missing initially, and like there was also the um, on the fragment. You got the right click option to like recall all your devices and items and stuff like that. Like mm. those are the things that were missing on like the first draft, and it's like we were like play testing it, and it's like holy shit, you're bloody spending like five hours just just running backwards and forwards, and like <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, that's the game. Like if you're playing RuneScape, you're gonna be ready for. Uh, <laughs> for slogs here and there but I did, I, where possible you want to try and avoid like quests i think so uh yeah stuff like that that was the stuff that sort of came in a bit late like how can we make this just a rip out the tedious parts and just focus on the fun bits for like the actual gameplay the puzzles themselves yeah uh i'm first of all i gotta say i'm i would i would absolutely be thrilled with a time travel sort of quest uh Especially, like, I don't know if you've seen the film uh, Christopher Nolan's Memento. Have you seen that? It's, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. But um, I do remember, like, there's two different timelines that are going. And so even though it's not necessarily time travel, it would be interesting if you did a quest where, like, it it switched timelines in a way. Where, like, you're seeing what already happened in the future but you're still playing in the present, but it's like full of mystery. And then you meet up at like the middle of the story and it's like, Oh, okay. Like it all comes together. That, yeah. I, I, I really time travel is always super risky and it's something I've, I'm still quite keen to do, even though obviously, like I say, we, we ended up stealing the idea for DT2 instead. I've still got this sort of like this, this quest in the, in the back of my mind. It's sort of lingering there of like, can we do time travel well in RuneScape? Um, like, it, it, I think that's like it's not the first time it's been done. Like, RuneScape Free has a couple of time travel quests. We don't have them in old school, but it's like you know, it, it's a concept that already exists in RuneScape in some form. But like, it's always just so, so, so dangerous playing with uh, time travel. But if you do it well, I think it works really well in video games as well. Like. Uh, there's actually no, there's no bloody creativity here. Like this is all just stolen from other video games. Like there's, there's a couple of, there's a few great games I've ever do time travel really well. Do literally a thing we're talking about, like jumping backwards and forwards between different realms. So I've done it like really, really well. Um, it's just, it's something that works really well from a gameplay standpoint. Time travel it is definitely something I want to, want to have a crack at at some point. That'd be cool. So, are there any Easter eggs in Desert Treasure Two that 
are like hidden throughout the quest that people just like wouldn't find normally like is that something you guys do at all we there was once upon a time we would like throw easter eggs in and nobody would find them and we'd have these easter eggs where they like they'd go undiscovered for years Nowadays, people are just too good now. Like, <laughs> like the, 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 the wiki guys, like they find things with a snap of the fingers, and like it doesn't help now. But like people, people do a lot more data mining for cash a lot more than That's they used true. to. Uh, but even then, even if we like sort of like try and hide it, like oh, we could like hide it behind some other things so it wouldn't appear obvious in the cash. But it's sort of, they find it immediately anyway. Like, people are just so good at finding things. Like I think everything we hid in DT2 got found pretty quickly. I think the biggest one was um, the. Uh, you have a golem near the start of a quest where um, you have to like get the information out of it, and um, it was some it was a bit, bit of tech we got. We actually got it like years ago. Um, the ability to uh, this sounds crazy. You'd think it'd be a bloody simple one, but but no, like the ability to actually for the player to enter um, freely enter text and the game respond in some way was actually a, a technology that we did not we could not comprehend until. Uh, a few years ago. Um, we got it a few years ago and we never really used it. Uh, and RuneScape had used it for a, um, a quest. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, a needle Skips, I think it was. They, they'd used it for a quest where basically you type things in and it sort of like progresses the quest and you like to score things that way. And I was really keen to do one of those ourselves. Again, no creativity. It's just it's ceiling for RuneScape. I was really keen for us to do that and that's what gave us um, the Garden of Death quest. And then after that, like, we were already like designing DT2 while working on Garden of Death. Um, I mean, ultimately, you know, they ended up actually, you know, sort of sharing some like storyline elements and stuff like that. Um, so um, for the Golem, I was like, I'm going to go use that technology again. We've got it now. May as well use it. It's actually over play like type stuff in, and then immediately from that, it's sort of like, oh hello, we're going to let players type in whatever they want. There's a golden <laughs> opportunity here. There's also terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> stuff here for god knows what they'll bloody type in and um of course there was the meme literally uh finger on reddit literally a few hours after launch of somebody going into the golem and typing in um i shouldn't, I shouldn't even say it um, but um they, they typed in something about uh about jagex and uh the golem responds with no information found and it's like there we go <laughs> But it was also a really good opportunity for us to like hide lots of like uh, little Easter eggs and stuff in there, and um, probably went way overboard. Like uh, just, I think for, by the end of it, it was sort of like like seventy or so different possible things you could Holy. put in. And just sort of like, and most of most of it doesn't really like, give anything notable. Like it's just stuff people already know. But it was a really good opportunity to sort of like just throw some like little lore tidbits in there. But then we also put a few fun ones in as well, like little Easter eggs for people to find. But if if they found them all so quickly, we got to keep trying harder. People are just too good now at finding mm -hmm. everything we uh, hide in there. Yeah. Do you uh, worry about that at all? Like, or, or are you okay with how the game is, where people literally find and just break down the game into little bits, where like everything's just mapped out perfectly? There's tile indicators for everything. There's quest helper for everything. Like, how do you feel about all the plugins that we enjoy today? Personally, I'm very, I'm very back and forth on it. I'm very up and down. Like, there was um. I saw a comment that I think sort of like captured it quite well and how do I say this I accidentally just like crapping all over some people I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably accidentally do it anyway like it's not like we're very clear like um, I think it is really important that people play the game 
how they want to play it. Like at the end of the day, you're paying what, what how much do we charge now? We've gone beyond the eleven dollar meme. What is it, twelve dollars or something? Crab meme, that sort of like <laughs> like people 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 pay a decent amount yeah. for our game. Like they if you're paying that much for a game, you should you don't to a certain level you don't want the game developer then turning around telling you how to play it, sort of thing. So like there's a, there's definitely a certain level of um if people, you know, want to play the game how they want to play it, as long as it's not, you know, starting to interfere with other people's experience, to a certain level, you've kind of, like, let them. But at the same time, it's like, I guess on a more personal level, especially, like, with, like, some of the work I do, like, around, like, narrative and stuff like that, it's often focuses quite heavily on exploration, like, discovery and things like that. And it does, it, sometimes it does sort of feel like a bit of a shame where everything now is... Um, driven by spreadsheets rather rather than exploration and discovery. And yeah, if I saw this comment like soon after launch, I sort of like so, uh, captured it to a certain level. It's sort of like, um, you know, 20 years ago, back in the day, people would have loved a launch like this for the ability to just like go out and explore, discover things for themselves. But now there is sort of like, it feels a bit different. There is more of sort of an expectation of um, like, there needs to be answers to everything. Like, yep. And I don't know. It does feel like a bit of a shame. Like sometimes there might be things that are maybe a little bit lost there, but obviously that's just my opinion. Like, and ultimately, like I think the other thing as well is that again, like people can do it how they want to do it, and we should be careful not to get too upset about people doing it how they want to do it because the people who want to explore things and discover things for themselves, they'll still do that, and they do still do that. Like. We still get so many people, like, even after this quest is added to Quest Helper and there's, like, 57 Runelite plugins for it and that sort of thing, well, there still will be people out there who'll till, they'll turn all that stuff off because they'll want to experience that, it that way. So, like, people still have that option. It's not taken away from them. And then other people have the option to uh, to do the spreadsheets, do the plugins, all that sort of thing. Uh, along those lines, what are your thoughts on the polling system and the freedom of... I guess as like the development team, like the freedom of like developing something, but being almost enslaved to this like community <laughs> that wants a certain thing. Like, how do you feel about the polling system in general? Oh, that's a, that's a big one. We we could be here all night just talking about the bloody polling system. <laughs> honest, to be honest, I'm when it comes to polling system, I'm I'm probably the look one of the lucky ones to be honest, because like um you know we poll so much and one of the few things one of the few things that we don't poll is narrative we don't we don't poll where the mm. story goes really on the whole so i'm i guess i'm sort of a lucky one in that my work generally hasn't is i generally have quite an easy time with a polling system because when i'm polling something like uh you know talk to see i'm just like right what what question are we gonna have here well, we just have one question do you want us to add this quest if we're feeling in a good mood we might tell them the requirements up ahead but we don't actually even always do that like do you want this quest that continues this storyline no spoilers, so I'm not going to tell you anything about what happens in the quest. Uh, so I have it fairly easy with a lot of the work that I do, because like, I get to keep secrets, which uh, we don't normally get to do. <laughs> like, for other things, I get, I get why um, some people would be frustrated by it, both both players and staff as well, because like, um, for some things that we poll, like you, you maybe do feel like uh, you, you, you can't keep those secrets. Like, sure, we can be secret of a storyline of a quest, um, but um, when we're adding new bosses and stuff like that, we can't, we can't just sneak a boss in. We can't just add a boss unannounced. Like, mm -hmm. that's not something we can do. And you know, there's pros and cons to that. Like, the polling as this system exists for a, for a very good reason. Um, 
it's fair to say that Jagex made some questionable decisions <laughs> once upon a time that led to a uh, certain uh, certain level of maybe mistrust between uh, the players and Jagex. And um, I'm allowed to say that because I, I was a player back then. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm shitting on a different Jagex, not the current Jagex. <laughs> current Jagex is good because current Jagex fixed that with the polling system. The polling system was the answer to that. Like, to basically bring players on the journey with Jagex, so like, no more will we be, uh, you know, driving the direction of this game ourselves. Like, it'll be a collaboration. Like, the players will also have a say in the direction of the game. And that is obviously so important. Like, the polling system was born for a very good reason. And, like, uh, as a result, it'll always have some sort of place in old school. If we were to get rid of it, like, you know, a lot of people would not be very happy. And I imagine a lot of those people would be internal people as well. People at Jaggers would not be happy about that. And even today, we see now that the polling system is still... It's still, obviously, thankfully, we've never been silly enough to poll anything quite like EOC or MTX these days, but in, even on a small scale, you still see it like protecting us from things that maybe like wouldn't have been as good without the polling system. Um, a very good example, admittedly this one is from quite a few years ago now, so I say recently, not particularly that recent, but it is a good example of it, um, is when we polled the... Um, the first version of the Inferno, I think probably before it was even called Inferno, where it's just like an expansion. Um, basically, it was an expansion to a fight cave, just kept going after Jad. And people wanted something more unique. And then we came back again with a pitch for something that would be on Karend, I think it was, like um, where we ended up putting Mount Karum. There was another oh, yeah. blog about something like that. And again, people were like, well, no, that doesn't fix. It's not Zar anymore. Like that back and forth is what made the Inferno. Without that, we wouldn't have the Inferno. And the Inferno, I think, you know, most people would agree, the vast majority of us will never have any bloody hope of getting an Infernal Cape. It was a pretty damn good update. It was good for the game. Like, it's still one of the, one of the, you know, additions that people remember really fondly. Like, the polling system gave us that, because otherwise, we would have gone with something that, you know, we thought was good, but would not have been as good as the Inferno. Like, and, you know, and we, we, we've even, like, polled... Um, I guess more businessy things as well. Like we had the poll a while back about the uh, a few years ago now about like the partnerships of like mm -hmm. uh, oh get Twitch Prime and you'll get um, the if reskin of your player and house and like people obviously very clearly voted no to that like that that people felt that was a step in the wrong direction of that it puts you on that slippery slope as people call it towards MTX and obviously like no one at Jagex of that mindset, like, all the people, like, who were talking about this internally, no one was, like, saying, like, oh, we can use this to, like, get towards MTX. It was very, it was a, a genuine, like, um, this is maybe something we could do that old school players would get behind um, that, you know, wouldn't be, like, MTX or that sort of thing. But people very clearly resoundingly said, no, we don't want that. Like, Jack has pulled a business decision, and that, there would have been money behind that. I don't know how much money there would have been, but you know, we're, we're not talking like small amounts of change here. We're talking about pretty hefty sums, and Jagex pulled it, and it failed. So, like, when you look at things like that, like, there's obviously huge positives there. Then, I guess, on the flip side, though, like, thinking about sort of, I guess, fairly recently with uh, with DT2. We've obviously had some ups and downs of DT2 and uh, polling. We had the, the prayer stuff, of course, where we didn't even end up polling it, and there was obviously sort of like very lots of questions there about um, where who who makes that choice. Like uh, we we said ourselves in the blog of um, we thought we reckon if we polled it, and you know, we don't know for sure, but we reckon there was a decent chance that if we polled this, there'd be a reasonable chance of it passing. 
and that that in itself was why we chose not to poll it because we felt if it passed and went into a game that it would not be good for the game so we we basically like but obviously we can't say for sure because we didn't poll it but that was kind of us saying we're overruling here we're overruling the players we think this will pass a poll but we think you guys would be wrong to vote yes to this because this is not right for the game you know there's a lot of questions about that there was there was a fair few uh, nice comments of course about what we were doing and why we should or shouldn't be doing <laughs> it um so like there's you know there's, there's that sort of side of debate there and then also there's the stuff about like um what good and shouldn't we poll like we recently like very shortly before launch polled the uh awakened versions of the bosses and one of one big bit of feedback we got was you shouldn't have polled this. This would have been an amazing surprise. And that was actually a conversation we had internally, like, uh, should we poll this or should we surprise people with it? And it's sort of like, well, we, we can't surprise with it. Like, yeah, technically, it's it's it does fall into a slight grey area, but it's like this content we've already polled. We've already polled these four bosses, which are making harder versions of them, so have we kind of already polled it? But no, not really. It's, it's, it's different enough that they're kind of like... They're not the same four bosses. We're adding new stuff to them, like new mechanics, and like we're changing things about them and adding a new reward as well. We'd need to pull that. We wouldn't be able to keep it a secret. Yeah. But then you've got people going, this would have been more fun and more interesting had you kept it a secret. So I've been talking about that for a while now. I've not really answered your question. I think that, I think there's, no, there's probably not really a good answer. That's, that's the sort of a cheat that I've conclusion i've come to here to get away with ever ever um trying to answer this question properly is that there's no good answer really we've we've gone back and forth on this loads of times uh, jagex and the polling system has pros and it has cons and it's always just that question of do the do the pros outweigh the cons and it's kind of it's one of those ones where it's impossible to actually know the answer to that. unless we took away the polling system and gave it a go without the polling system you'd never know if mm -hmm. the pros outweigh the cons and if it went wrong we'd all know when we'd all know pretty damn quickly and it might be a little bit too late then um based on the again based on past experience of why the polling system exists in the first place so yeah so like you don't get surprise awakened bosses a surprise but on the flip side you get to have this huge say in uh, the direction of a game, and even in some cases, to say on big business decisions uh, that could make Jagex potentially a lot of money, and we put that in the hands of the players. Like, it's all about that weighing yeah. it up, I guess. And I think the answer probably to probably changes on the situation as well. Like, probably day by day, the answer probably changes. Is that a good or a bad thing? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because I've now I've talked to a few J mods, and it's always the same kind of thing where the polling system's good, but it's got its cons. I think <clears throat> this is me kind of becoming a lot more like just free with the game and trying to really capture what's fun about the game. That's what I'm like really wanting is like updates that are fun. I think we should. I'm I'm not saying we should all do this, but as me me as a player, I'm very much in the category of like is this going to be a fun update that's what i want so i think what would actually be kind of cool is to like poll it's just like have a poll question saying can we design something unpolled <laughs> like basically like a poll for we're going to come up with something that we think is going to be awesome but we're not going to share any of it with you are you okay with that? And then we would vote on that. So then it's like you do have that freedom within some limits, you know, where it's like we're going to come out with one thing completely mysterious, but we're pulling that 
in the first place. Um, Because I do think there is something to be said about just like having an update come out that you have no clue what's coming your way, basically. Yeah, it's like, it, it is, yeah. It's the one thing that we probably do maybe now lack a bit of is that the surprise element of things like not knowing what's coming and there's a, there's a certain level of um also with polls um i guess less polls of all like the blogs behind them and that it's it's turn in some cases it turns it from a, a video game that is meant to be fun meant to be a bit of escapism to like where it's almost like for the players it, it becomes a job as well like we're making them do do work so like okay we put this blog out now you guys have all got to go and get your spreadsheets out because i was saying about spreadsheets we kind of we kind of encourage it ourselves like people to get their spreadsheets out we encourage this different way of looking at the game like we ourselves sometimes risk taking that fun out because before the update is even launched before it's even maybe even started development people are already trolling through numbers and trying to work out if something is for, is right for game or not and you know, it's important to make sure we do things that are right for the game, but it it is a game. Like, like if people are spending so much time worrying about this, that, and the other, you very much risk not having fun anymore. Yep. Yeah, that's so that's so tough. It's got to be really tough for the devs as well. I mean, you're you, like you said, like you're just the narrative guy, so you don't really have to deal with all those limitations. Um, quick question on ruinous powers: How did that all? come like how did the final um decision come about did you guys like jump in a meeting because clearly there was a lot of uh you know back and forth between the community and uh you guys and just trying to come up with a good spot for this prayer book and then it was actually a pleasant surprise for me and a lot of players obviously that the prayer book just got scrapped but how did that final decision get made it was uh so it, it was after we launched the um, the second beta, and we'd already said to ourselves, like, um, after the first beta we did, like, we, we did the first beta and reception was mixed, <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, and we, we, even after that, we had a conversation, like, do we keep going? Is this the right thing to do? Is this, like, are we going to be able to pull this off? And we had we actually had a conversation about of should we actually stop now or should we keep going? And in the end, we came to a conclusion, like, we we should keep going. We shouldn't, like, um, we need to be very mindful of the fact that this may well not work at this point, but we should at least try. Like, we, we did our first poll, back to polls again, we did our first poll for it back at, straight after the uh, Winter Summit. And that was obviously just sort of like a green light poll, no details, like, would you be interested in us exploring this? And I can't remember the exact number, it's like, is 80 something, like 85% or something around there? Like, that's a, that's a fair chunk of people, like, saying that we want you to explore this. And had we just stopped after the first beta, it would sort of feel like, um, you know, falling at the first hurdle, not even properly trying. So we said, we're going we're gonna to keep going, we're going to give it another go, make some changes. We'll do a second beta, second blog. And we said then that, if that doesn't work, we we we'll we'll pull the plug then. So going into that second beta, we we had an idea that this this may well be the the, you know, the end for these prayers, and we put the beta out and like um yeah pretty much like straight away. So so the feedback was still it was very mixed, and the thing that really stuck out about the prayers, probably far more so than anything that I can remember us polling, is just 
that there was a lack of consensus. And that was actually one of the things that was sort of really important, that generally when we pull something, that there is some sort of consensus. Obviously, no one agree, no one, not everyone is going to agree on everything, but there's some sort of consensus amongst people, sort of like, these are the good bits, these are the bad bits. But we were seeing threads on Reddit of one person going, this is the best, this is the best thing ever. And then a comment below it saying, this is literally going to kill the game. Like, it was so polarizing. And that was one of the things that sort of really stuck out to us. So, like, this is so polarizing. Like, no one is in agreement on this. And that, from that, we then went back and we sort of, like, said, what, why are we doing this? What, what is our aim with these prayers? And we went back and we looked. And uh, here's the targets we initially set on these prayers. Here's the goals we set out. And we shared them in the first blog as well, I'm pretty sure, like, with players, like, that this is what we want these prayers to do. And we came to a realization looking at it, sort of like, we are so far away from this original goal now that no wonder there is no consensus. Like, this prayer book has gone through, like, such a journey that it is something totally different from what was originally uh, pitched. And we we just can't move forward with that. Like, that that's just... It's too dangerous, to be honest. Like, it's no longer doing what we, are, what we set out initially. And that, that might be fine, but... To determine if that's fine, you know, we'd have to go like completely back to the drawing board and things like that. So mm-hmm. we came to a sort of realization like we have not been able to successfully deliver on our original goals for this, and we've sort of started. We've we've reached a point where we're throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. We've tried everything. We've tried we've tried making the prayers super powerful, making them super niche. We've tried bouncing against the current prayer book, making them totally different. We've tried prayers that are like boosts above the current ones or prayers that are completely different and none of it's really fully landed and everyone's no one is in full agreement on any of this stuff and it's just not working so we had a yeah we had a meeting uh like i think literally the morning after that um second beta went out and we said look this isn't working this isn't what we set out to do and you know we set out to do something very specific for clear reasons and even if we can make something even maybe maybe if we can make something good at this point after like god knows how many more iterations if it's not achieving that original goal then we need to take a step back and really start over and so that was the decision that was made that you know no door is ever closed forever never say never we are open like and i think i said myself like earlier on the on the q a we're doing earlier today that i am still personally i've not i've not given up on the new prayers for, for old school. But Varunas Powers of Desert Treasure 2 was, was not going to work. Like that, It just became so clear to us that it was just not going to work. And do we, and we, we, do we pull something that we know isn't going to work? Like, how does, the, how does that work around the polling system? And, you know, we came, sort of came to the answer that like, we, we the polling system, you know, it exists to guide us and to stop us from making the wrong choices. But if we already know we've made the wrong choice, we kind of have to nip it in the bud sooner. Um, so yeah, that was the that was the call. And again, I'm I'm still really hopeful that we find a different avenue. To bring some sort of new prayers in, there were some great suggestions, like from like both inside Jagex, but also some great suggestions from players as well, like on Reddit and stuff like that, for different directions new prayers could go in. So I think I think there might still be legs, but yeah, it wasn't right to do them here, and yeah, yeah hence yep. the fun, difficult conversation one uh, Thursday morning it would have been. It was a day after the update. 
Yeah, that was uh, unexpected. But again, as I said, it was pleasant for a lot of us. There, Obviously, there's a lot of people that still want to see a prayer book. In your personal opinion, what would you like? Do you have any thoughts on what you would want to see from a prayer book or anything, at least like aspects of it that you thought were cool of like ideas you've seen from others? There was a there was a proposal posted by someone on uh, Reddit um, around that same time. I can't remember if it was before or after we made the decision to cut it, um, but there was a proposal and uh, I can't remember what it's called, like God alignment or something like that, where it's mm. basically like you have you have your standard prayer book, and then there's like a set of four like bonus prayers, and those are ones that you swap in and out, so rather than swapping out the full prayer book, like spell books work, it'd be like you have your core prayer book and this is the same no matter what. Everyone has these same prayers. Nothing changes there. And then at the bottom, there's like four extra prayers that can be swapped in and out more like a spell book can of it. Like, you know, there'd be four Zerosian ones that you'd unlock from Desert Treasure 2 or something like that. But then you could also do like four ones themed around Saren and the Elves and lock it behind Song of the Elves and that sort of thing. They could be like different places you could unlock these uh like different god alignments to just have a few prayers and that 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 really stuck out to me obviously we've not really particularly explored it yet um but that was something that stuck out I was like that that one could have legs if we want to reignite the prayer conversation which again i am hoping we do at some point but that might be a really good way to go yeah i think honestly that's probably the best move like you it's just so hard to fundamentally change what we're all used to for 20 plus years with the standard prayer book. And plus we literally saw like there's metas that are like incorporated with all pieces of content with the standard prayer book. And so like you guys were trying to do, you're trying to add all these prayers that are already in the standard prayer book, like redemption and these things that would keep these metas going strong it was just so hard to balance because so much of this has been just completely figured out through spreadsheets and stuff of what's the best meta. And yeah, I, I honestly, I, I really like the God alignment idea. I think anything that's like keeping the core of the prayer book and then adding some cool little additional things is like the way to go. Yeah. Like I think one of our biggest mistakes to be honest was we approached it like we would approach adding a new spell book and <laughs> It's just completely different. Like they're not even remotely comparable. There's no spellbook has anything like protection prayers. Like it's just like it's not comparable. Like straight, like straight away, it just completely changes what you're trying to do. Like with a spellbook, it it doesn't matter if you're completely ditching all the old ones and getting new ones. Like because none, no spell is that plays such a fundamental part of the game like like core combat the entire game is built around the pre the current prayer book and like it, it, it was just never going to be possible to actually rip that out and put in a different one we were always going to have to just basically copy and paste half the prayers otherwise yeah. we'd have just half half like half the game just would not have worked that new prayer book so yeah that, that's why the god alignment sort of sticks out something like this got real potential it's like embracing that, accepting that the prayers are a core part of a game you can't ever change them we can add little little layers on top of different things here and there and yeah i i, I do personally hope that we uh revisit that at some point and i think the important thing is that and i guess this is sort of a difference between um put, put, t taking taking the player hat off and putting the developer hat on um of thinking about the fact that you know we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year we've been we've been going on a while and this is just obviously the, the, the old school version runescape's all been around for 20 years but we've got time like desert this isn't 
this is an MMO. Like this is a game that's constantly evolving. This isn't like you know releasing the latest AAA title and then like never looking at it again. Like we have opportunities to do you do things in the future that bring life to old pieces of content. So there's no reason to say as to like when we come to have that conversation, whatever it may be, that it can't they can't stand up being rewards from Desert Treasure Two. Like that that would be completely fine. In fact, I imagine that would probably be a really good way to go. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you said it well. Like, this game has got a lot of life in it, and obviously there is no real rush for a lot of these things. Um, I'm going to take a step back and just kind of ask you about your introduction into RuneScape and then how you or how, how you ended up at Jagex, basically, and uh, how that all transpired. So if you just want to, like, take me back to the beginning of when your whole experience with RuneScape began, I want to hear it. Yeah, so um, to be honest, it's not mine's, mine's not a particularly exciting story because it's probably the same as uh, the vast majority of people. But like everyone else, as I was, you know, I played RuneScape when I was younger, like because back back then it was it was everywhere. Like so, like two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, that sort of era, everyone was playing RuneScape. So sooner or later, you were playing it as well. So like some friends at school were playing RuneScape, and they're like, "See, I'm playing RuneScape. Oh, what's that?" I mean. Well, you know it, you're playing it as well. <laughs> so yeah, like everyone else, I was I was there playing it back in the day, and like everyone else, uh, completely and utterly rubbish at the game. Um, no, 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 there was no talk of uh, infernal capes or spreadsheets back then. We we're all just kids, nope. so no bloody idea. It's, it's, it's absolute insanity, just how just how just how stupid we all were as children. Like we could not play this game to save our lives. That, like I remember, like when we were finally like picking it up again of um like. Christ, like these quests that took like weeks to complete but as a child, like now you're just doing them in an hour, even even without getting the <laughs> bloody spreadsheets out. Like so yeah, that was that was sort of obviously how it started for me. Um and to be honest, even back then, like it was the, the quests were always the thing that I loved the most. And um of in two thousand and seven obviously the game took an interesting turn with like the removal of the wilderness and for a lot of people that was already where the game, like even back then, was starting to not be the runescape they wanted anymore, but I guess I was sort of in a bit of a different boat, but for me, that was actually where some of the things I was most interested in started ramping up a bit, because it was around that same era that they started working on all the big quests, like, while well, Gothic Sleep was, like, 2008, I think, and they were already sort of, like, hinting at it in late 2007, so, like, that was where a lot of the stuff I was interested in started to, like, really pick up, so I actually ended up playing RuneScape for a bit longer than a lot of other people that I knew. They sort of, like, dropped out around, like, 2007, around the wilderness stuff, um... But I kept going for quite a while longer because, like, the quests were, like, interesting me. Like, we were really getting into the fun, meaty ones, like the Marjorat quests and the big grandmasters, like, like I say, while going to sleep, switch all the Marjorat. So, um, I kept playing for quite a while after that. And even, to be honest, I was still sort of playing a, a, a bit, not as much, even by the time EOC came around. Um, um, but in the end, I saw it sort of, like, I guess, dropped off for me. So it's quite interesting for me in that, um, Old school didn't necessarily immediately jump out to me as uh, something that I, I would be particularly interested in because I was more interested in the quests and old school didn't obviously have that. I just had the quests from, from back in the day but didn't have any of the new stuff. So um, uh, old school didn't actually immediately appeal to me when it came out. Um, I was still sort of like playing through the quests in uh, RuneScape but in the end I sort of like I lost, I lost interest in RuneScape. I lost interest in the quests they were doing and... Um, Things like, uh, like you know, with most people, like the the change to, to EOC, uh, or the change to the game, like the MTX, the uh, the heavy focus on like the daily, um, daily stuff. Um, 
sort of a lost lost my interest there. And then if a few years after that, um, I say a few years can't be actually that far after that. Uh, that that RuneScape Evolved came out in 2013, so it only been a couple of years after that actually. Um, um, be around uh, would have been late, like mid to late 2015, I think. Uh, one of my friends was like, "Right, I've suddenly got this this crazy urge to just suddenly play RuneScape again." Like, all right, fair enough. Let's give it a go. So, at that point. Look, that's what that's when I actually first started playing old school. So, like the late late coming to the party when it came to old school. Like I say, only not until twenty fifteen, like uh, a couple of years after it launched, actually playing old school with this uh, this friend of mine, like playing through like the early quests and stuff, like all the free to play stuff, and then then the then the nostalgia finally hit, and it's mm-hmm. sort of like. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but like I say, all of a sudden realization, like, oh wow, we were really crap at this game back then. Uh, I can speed through it now. Um, and uh, my friend soon lost interest, but my interest sort of like stuck around um, as I sort of kept playing. Uh, um, sort of like, uh, like, and like, you know what? I'm going to go get my quest cape again, going to re-experience it uh, and get the get the quest cape back. So that was sort of my initial goal. And um, around the same sort of time, I'm in my. Um, I'm in my uh, second year of university at this point, and uh, it's about that time when I need to actually start thinking about what I want to do with my life. Um, and I, I, to be honest, even then I wasn't like a hundred percent set on going into games, but it was sort of like I knew it was probably sort of like one of the, the things that I probably did want to do. So like thinking about like what what would be the best gateway into that, and the obvious one seemed like was okay. This this, this company that I've ever do internships is is there an internship available? So I didn't actually specifically necessarily look at Jagex first. Like I was just sort of like browsing around the internet, sort of like looking at jobs available and seeing if there's any companies that would do any internships to sort of like try and give me sort of like a, a leg up into the industry. To sort of like you know do an internship end of second year and then finish my degree and. Uh, you hopefully use that as a as a good way to get a hopefully get a actual job, um, and it just so happened that um, Jagex were doing internships that year. Um, so like it was one of the websites I came across. And it's sort of like, oh, I've got to at least apply to this one. Started playing RuneScape again. Been playing it since. Been playing it since I was a child. Let's give it a go. And and obviously, I back then I had no idea what that was going to lead to. The, the job description was a. Uh, I'll be honest. It was not the best worded job description in the world. To, I'll, I'll be frank with with, uh, with Jagex. Um, it didn't actually say what specifically the job was for. It said it was a QA internship but it did, in, at Jagex, mm. but it did not say where at Jagex. So it's all like it could have been for old school. It could have been for RuneScape. It could have been for whatever um, whatever game that didn't release was being worked on at that time because Jagex were quite good at doing that. Um, and I applied, and I completely forgot about it. Like, uh, I've, I've, this would have been sort of like end of 2015 at this point, so like November, December time. I applied, completely, like, completely forgot about it. It's like, um, didn't hear anything for for ages. So I sort of like, just, like, just assumed, oh, well, clearly wasn't, clearly I wasn't right for them. Cool, let's keep cracking on, see if we can find something else. And it wasn't until like quite a few months later, it must have been like March or maybe even April, um, of 2016, so like a good like three or four months after I applied, suddenly out of nowhere, I just get this uh, get this call. 
It's like, oh, you applied for one of these internships. Uh, we'd like, and we'd like to uh, invite you for a phone interview. I'm like, Christ, I completely forgot to apply for that internship. Um, all right, cool. We'll have a phone interview. So, I had a phone interview with uh, with uh, Mod uh, Mod John C and uh, Mod Kieran, and I remember coming off the phone of the interview and thinking, well, "That was fucking shit." <laughs> They're not going to fucking hire me after that. <laughs> and indeed, I didn't hear anything for uh, another, must have been another month after that. Another month not hearing anything. So like, okay, clearly I did not give a very good interview. They clearly don't want me. And then another like month after that, get another phone call. It's like, oh, we really loved your phone interview. We'd love to invite you down to the office in Cambridge for a face-to-face. So like, oh, all right then, fair enough. So, go down to the office, go down to Cambridge, my first time visiting uh, visiting Cambridge, never been to Cambridge before. Um, drove down to Cambridge and uh, to the Jarex office, and that was obviously quite, back then it was obviously quite a surreal experience, because, um, you know, like, I've, I've seen the Jarex office in like live streams and stuff like that, I've seen some of the faces, like, uh, you know, like everyone, everyone knew who Mod Ash was, including, including myself, so like, it was quite a surreal experience, like walking into this Jack's obviously sort of like the game that I played as a child, and now I'm here in the building, and there's faces here that I've sort of like semi kind of uh, kind of recognize. Damn, yeah, it was a very surreal experience, and uh, <laughs> and had the interview. There's, there's three of us, they interviewed three of us at the same time off the same role, and they sort of very much pitted the three of us against each other. Um, <laughs> we, we had to, uh, we had to do some like uh, various like QA trials. We we got given a broken version of Dragon Slayer One and had to play through it and like find the bugs. And but we also got trying it so long ago. Now we also got shown some images of like pictures of like things like Cerberus and stuff and like point things out in them. Uh, we had to do some teamwork exercises for three of us together. Um, <laughs> and then we had a face to face interview with uh, yeah, the gang up Mod on Matt. one of them. <laughs> we had a face to face interview with Mod Matt K, uh, Mod John C, and. Uh, a uh, couple of others whose mod names I forget. Uh, they did QA on the RuneScape side, and uh, they absolutely ripped into us. They ripped us to bloody shreds. So they they did not go easy on us. And I got to the end of that, and I was like, ah, that was fun. And I think I did absolutely bloody shocking once again. So <laughs> it was a good run. I got to visit the Jack's office. That was nice. Like something to something to tell my friends about. So like, yeah, I got to go. I got to go see the place where they make RuneScape. Uh, Nothing else is coming out of this. One of the other two must have done better than me because I did absolutely shocking. And another like month or two goes by. We're in, we were in, we're into like like must be into like uh, getting into May at this point. So around the time you'd be sort of starting to think about when you'd be starting your internship, and I've not heard anything, so I've assumed it's just not worked out. Mm-hmm. At that point, sort of something like, well, I didn't bloody get an internship, so now I'm going to start thinking about some sort of alternate summer job working in a local uh, shop or something. Not quite the same thing, but hey ho. Need to make some money, um, and then I get a phone call. Like we've got some good news for you. We'd we'd like to offer you a job. I remember in my head thinking, Jesus fucking Christ, it's only taken like <laughs> six months, and you keep bloody <laughs> uh, leaving me hanging, thinking I've not got it. But obviously, at that point, I'm sort of like, uh, very quickly that pushes that to the side. It's like, okay. Why the, why the hell do they take so long? But at the same time, I've just been offered a job at bloody Jagex. So, um, unsurprisingly, I accepted the offer. <laughs> and then it was literally only a few weeks later. Like I say, they took, the process took so long. It was only a few weeks later that um, ended up uh, like actually starting. Um, 
and I remember being very um, very foolish and probably a bit naive. Sort of like this is a summer internship, and they they basically said that they can be quite flexible. We can do something like as long as your summer is. So like I need to get the maximum amount out of this. And I was going on holiday uh, with some people from uni to um, to Vietnam for quite an adventurous holiday, doing all sorts of activities. And I was like. Okay, I'm going on holiday to Vietnam. I get back on like the I can't remember what day it was. Like back on the um, Tuesday. See, so, yeah, I'll start on the Wednesday. Like but that was that was pretty bloody stupid of me, because of course I was uh, completely utterly jet lagged, uh, having spent two weeks in Vietnam. I was like, no, 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 I'll start on the Wednesday. No worries. <laughs> so we f I f like flew back in on the Tuesday. Went went back to my uh, student accommodation uh, i went to university in uh, in uh, lincoln which is about like 2 hours away from uh, cambridge went back to my student accommodation grabbed all my stuff bye everyone see you in a few months hopped in my car drove down to cambridge by the time i got to cambridge it must have been about 2 a.m. like and like right quick nap start work the next day no problemo um oh no I did. I did indeed start work the next day, and uh, I was very, very bloody tired. But I was like, I can't, I can't bloody miss a miss a day of this. Uh, so I like, right, I was, yep, this is my start day, and I'm, I'm going to go right through until literally like, the, the bloody day before I have to be back at uni again. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was how my uh, journey at JX began, and then yeah, obviously had the internship. Uh, did the um, like three and a three and a half months, however long it was, uh, through to the end of um, summer. Uh, like worked on um, what were we working on back then like I think uh, Catacombs of Karen was like literally the first thing I was looking at that launched literally the day I started at the company I think mm. uh, and then we had Scotties over a week after uh, the uh, the Master Clues I think it was for Kieran's first uh, dev project he, he literally Kieran had just moved from uh, QA to dev at that point so uh, there wasn't actually any uh, when I when I when I joined as an intern, there wasn't actually any proper QAs. There was there was Mod John C, but he was already sort of like acting in a more of like a leadership producery kind of role, like a hybrid role. So he wasn't actually doing too much QA. And uh, Mod Rock, Kieran's uh, backfill, didn't actually join until the week after I started. So for a few days, the intern was the only QA on the team. And I'm sure Reddit <laughs> can make some fun memes about uh, about that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh yes yes so i started off like testing uh testing master clues and uh had last man standing player and house update and then finished off the uh with the big one the one that everyone still bloody remembers me for and i really wish they fucking didn't which is the winter todd because uh if anyone has watched any 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 q and a or anything like that with me they'll know i absolutely bloody hate it like obviously um <laughs> Sophia, um, I don't know how how hard are you meant to crapple on on your own work. Like, uh, there's, there's a certain level of healthiness there, of, like not being an arrogant, stuck-up ambassador who thinks everything you've done is brilliant. <laughs> uh, but maybe it's sort of slightly unhealthy how much I shit on the winter Todd as well. But um, like, I mean, they they jackets they want they were sort of like we want we want to make sure you get everything out of this. And I'll be fair, I'll be fair on them because I've shat on them a lot so far of the whole interview process. The interview process was not brilliant but, but they once i got there they were absolutely brilliant like they were great and they were sort of like we want to, you to get the most out of this as possible like obviously you're here as a qa intern that's not like the prime primary role but we want to give you opportunities to do other things so we want to give you a chance like design some stuff uh what do you want to design i was like well, i like quests can i design a quest and they were like no 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 we don't do quests it's like monkey madness 2 was the only quest old school had done back then and they're still like 
quests were a pretty new thing for old school, but old school wasn't quite ready to start delving into that area yet. So it's sort of like you could, but quest we don't we're not really too sure about how we do quests yet. So maybe something else. We've already got this thing here. We've got this um, winter tod that we've already like <laughs> blogged and polled. We've blogged and polled it, but we didn't have any design for it. Trying to have a crack at designing it, so I did. And this is uh, this isn't. Uh, an experienced game developer designing a piece of content. This is the QA intern having a crack at designing a piece of content. And um, yeah, it turned out all right. It was okay. I hate it. It's okay. Some people love it. It's still the main it's iconic. Play we can say that at least. Yeah. And, and um, if you say east side, west side, even now, bloody obvious years later, everyone immediately knows what you mean. And like, like, and now I have to feel bad because I'm responsible for that all that crap as well. Um, but yeah, and then uh, finished finished the internship, and um, uh, I remember was, my last day was uh, RuneFest, uh, um, which was uh, quite a nice sort of like bowing out because I had lots of players coming up to me and sort of like, "Oh, really? Hope, really hope you come back and all that sort of thing." And uh, yeah, then back to uni and. Uh, and uh, I think like it wasn't it wasn't that long into uni, like a couple of months sort of back in back at uni again, and uh, the, a role went up for a, a QA role. And this time, the job description specified it was on old school. I was like, brilliant, full time role. I'll apply for that. And I didn't actually finish my degree. I I I, I didn't actually complete the year. I went back to uh, Jags again for the full time role. Uh, less than a year later, and. Yep. Um, no, that's yeah. that's awesome though. I think that's like that. so. Now you've been at Jagex for how long? Uh, full time. Uh, so full time will be um. Oh God, what will it be? Uh, must be six six years now. Six years. Uh, six years back in April, I think it was. That's when I rejoined. Wow. Um, and yeah, m most of that in a in a developer slash design role. Uh, I, like it was literally like my second day back in the full time role, and John C comes up to me and he goes. Uh, we're opening up some uh, content dev roles. Um, do you want to apply? I'm like, I've only been back two days. He's like, yeah, but you'd probably do a good job of it, and it'd be an easy, probably be an easy hire for us. So, like, all right, fair enough. So, yeah, literally a couple of months in, I applied for that. Uh, say he was telling me on literally like a second day back, applied for that, and then became a uh, moved into dev, and yeah, been there ever since. That's so cool. So, what got you into like the um senior narrative sort of uh, uh position there so I, I was very to a certain extent i was very lucky in that, like you know as i said like, i always like really quests were the thing one of the things i enjoyed the most about the game like the story was always one of the things that really interested me it kept me playing long after a lot of other people had stopped playing like back in the original like era of runescape um and when i when i joined moved into this uh um, like I say, started started off in QA briefly when I rejoined, then very quickly moved into the uh, developer role. And Monkey Madness had been out long enough then that Jarex was sort of open, a bit more open to having a conversation about what do we keep doing quests in old school, what do quests look like. Monkey, Man Monkey Madness 2 performed really well, like it, it did some really uh, good good numbers. And there, there were a lot of questions like, is that just because it's the first one we've done? Can we repeat that? Like, is questing something we should be doing? At that point, Things were very, very different uh, with regards to old school back then. Internally at Jagex, um, obviously, couldn't say too much, but um, 
it's fair to say that Jagex as a company had a very different perspective on old school back then to what it does now. We were very much... Um, we were the, the the weirdo sat in the corner. Um, we, we weren't the we weren't what Jagex was about. Jagex was about making RuneScape. RuneScape's RuneScape's mm. a big game for Jagex. Old school is just this little thing on the side. And um, I think there was even a couple of people um, who kind of almost like resented what old school was. They're sort of like old school shouldn't be making money. It's not right, but it's making money. Why would the old thing be making money? Like that doesn't make mm. any sense. So like um, there was there was very much sort of a perception back then that runescape is is the main game old school is the weird spin-off and like the idea of old school starting to write their own quests that would take the story in a different direction was an alien concept that nobody was ready to talk about mm. um but i was very i was always very keen on sort of like i want to do quests and when you think about nostalgia quests make a huge part of it like like you know, like the ones I was saying before, like like even the people who aren't that into quests, they, they, you say the name Wildgothic Sleeps, they they probably know it. Like they, this is stuff that like was meant something to people. And when you look back at the original days of RuneScape, they were releasing more quests than anything else. So we're talking about a game that is built on nostalgia, like old school. It, it can't actually be truly old school without quests. And so I was very keen, very on like we need to do more quests and nobody like people like had interest in quests There's people people on the also team who wanted to do quests but no one was really sure where where to begin no one really had too much like knowledge of the backstory of the game and stuff like that and like i say there's lots of concerns as well about could we be writing our own quests surely we should if we're doing quests surely they should just be like runescape quests or best thing like monkey madness 2 where we just make a quest that doesn't exist in runescape at all so we can tell a completely different side story um, so there's, there's lots of like questions about that, and um, it's sort of um, what basically ended up happening was I was like, okay, I need to present something. I need to give them something to try and get backing on making some new quests for RuneScape. And um, at the time, I was uh, I was still still in the QA role at the time. I'd already like sort of like applied for the for the dev role, sort of like going through the interview process. Um, but I was still just doing QA back then, so like, there was no time in like my actual work day to do it. So I remember I sat down at home. I say I say home. Back then, I was uh, on a uh, just at straight out of uni on a QA salary, living in uh, Cambridge, which. Um, is like something like the third most expensive city in the UK or something like that. It is not a it is not a cheap place to live. And on a QA salary, I, I, it wasn't really a home. I was living in a box. Is probably a better. <laughs> no, but it was like it was a singular room. Um, you could from the bed, you could just about reach the uh, the kitchen sink sort of <sighs> thing. That kind of, <laughs> it was not a very big room. Um, uh, so one weekend, I just sat there for the whole weekend. In the space of two days, I wrote a complete design document for. Uh, for a, for a, for a little little quest called Dragon Slayer Two, and um, again things are done very differently back then. Old school was uh, like a, like I was saying, it's sort of like the weird the weird uh, weird stepchild sat in the corner. No one really knew what to do with it, uh, so we we were kind of left to our own devices a bit. Um, and so the way we pitched content and additions to the game was a lot more informal than it is now. Basically, what happens like once a year, Matt Kay would uh, gather everyone, take us uh, to uh, an offsite at the local uh, Hilton, just sit everyone down in a room and go, "What cool things should we add to the game?" Uh, 
um, and people would sort of like present pitches on what they thought would be good for the game, and um, then sort of like decisions led by Matt Kay would sort of be uh, made on what would be uh, what would be the good, good or bad things to do. And uh, this is all like again, why I say I've probably got quite lucky here with sort of like how a lot of this stuff turned out. I just so happened that no one was as interested in quests as me. I sort of joined the team at the right time where there wasn't as much scrutiny on what old school was doing. Uh, like there was not as much uh, worry about sort of like the businessy side of it and how much money we were making it. But there was sort of like lesser concerns back then. So it allowed a, a junior QA to go to this meeting where stuff was pitched for the year and just go, here's my pitch for Dragon Slayer 2. And there must have been something in it because the entire team like absolutely loved it. And they were like, we have to do this. We we are we are green lighting this as the next quest we do. The okay, cool. The quest wow. needs a de- the quest needs a developer, and it can't be me because I am a junior QA analyst who has admittedly yes applied for a dev role. But even if I get the dev role, I'll be a junior developer. You cannot give a tentpole to a junior developer. Uh, we'll get Ash to make it. Ash will make a uh, Dragon Slayer two, and um, basically. Fast forward a few weeks, I've I've moved into the uh, developer role and um, got through training, and it has become apparent that Ash does not have the capacity to make this because there's other things he needs to work on. He can support it, he can help in like a supporting role, but he does not have capacity to make it. Another developer needs to be put on this project. There is only one developer free, it is the developer that designed it. So they gave a tentpole project to their brand new junior developer, which is not something you should really do. <laughs> and yeah, so there I was uh, as a junior developer working on the biggest quest that Oldschool ever done at the time. Really, only like we'd done by then we'd done a couple more. We'd done a couple of novice quests, but they were kind of cheating a bit. You know, one of them was turning a holiday event into a bloody um, quest, uh, <laughs> and a couple of the small little things here and there, um, including a couple I actually made in my. Um, in uh, my like personal development time, I actually ended up making a couple of small ones for Karend as well. So they were actually the, like, technically the first quests I launched, even if not the first ones I actually designed. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's like the first big one since uh, uh, Monkey Madness 2. Uh, and they're trusting it with the uh, junior developer. And it really probably shouldn't have worked, but somehow <laughs> amazingly it launched. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of awkward now because now... That was obviously what sort of like kickstarted it all. Of, um, of after that, that sort of like obviously it was it wasn't until like many years later when I actually became senior narrative designer. That was only that was only happened this year, very recent edition of like title change. But to be honest, from that point on, it was sort of like a general consensus from both Jagex and from a player base that Ed is now the law guy um, <laughs> and he does quests. Um, and yeah, it all came from this situation that really probably should never have happened. Like. A junior QA probably shouldn't have been designing a, a big Grandmaster quest. They probably shouldn't have been developing it as their first project. So normally when we have new developers, their first projects are like holiday events and stuff like that. Yeah. We start off with something small. And that's what I was meant to be given. It was meant to be a more experienced dev taking this, but the availability was not there. So it, yeah, it got given to me. And, um, and, then I had, and then I had to go on stage at RuneFest and announce it. That was awesome, by the way. <laughs> awesome presentation. I still remember that. Like that that day, just absolute insanity. Because um, my experience with the 
community up to that point was um, as the awkward uh, um, ginger guy on the Q&A, because obviously everyone immediately picks out the hair colour or anything else. It's like, oh, is that fucking, it's a mini boaty uh, dinghy, as uh, people would sometimes say. Um, uh, and then it's like, okay, well now you've got to go on stage and just talk about uh, Dragon Slayer 2. It's like, okay, but I'm not good at that sort of thing. I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, Probably none of us are real. Let's be honest. We're all fucking nerds. We make video games for a bloody uh, living. Um, I don't. I don't do talking on on stage in front of uh, a thousand people. Um, that 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 day was sort of like the the big sort of like point where it's sort of like the res- the response on that day was so phenomenal. There's so many people saying all these amazing things. Sort of like wow, that was amazing. I'm so excited. For this. It's like fuck. Got to actually make it now and like. Yep have to make it good like it has to be, it has to be good and some things just have not changed at all the stuff we were talking about earlier sort of like that feeling i had about, sort of like, about uh, desert treasure too like i remember like like me like like last week's development on dragon slayer 2 we're sat there like holy this quest is shit we, we've made a terrible quest what are we doing we don't know what we're doing i don't know what i'm doing like why am i doing this i don't know i'm not i'm not an experienced game designer or writer um a few months ago i was in qa and a few months before that i was at university like this is terrible we've made something absolutely terrible everyone's gonna hate it oh god it's awful and then it yeah it launched and everyone loved it mostly um we had a fun few like first days of everyone ripping a forecast drop table to shreds but on the whole everyone absolutely loved it and then yeah from there it's sort of like well that's uh, <laughs> That's Ed making quests for from here on out. Uh, wow, and that's like exactly what you wanted too, because deep down, questing's your thing. Yeah, I think, like, to be honest, like, you know, it was, I I enjoyed working on old school. Like, was by the time uh, Dragon Slayer Two came out, I've been working on it for nearly a year full time. Like, when with the internship as well. And, you know, I I I I enjoyed it. Like it was it was fun. Even doing the QA stuff was quite fun. But it's not one of those things where um, that, that kind of fun wouldn't have lasted forever. And and indeed, especially on the QA salary, living in that box wouldn't have lasted forever. Like um, realistically, like I could I don't I obviously it's hard to say for sure. But would I have stayed at Jagex had I not sort of had that sort of like opportunity um i don't know may- maybe not like um but like that opportunity to tell stories and make quests for dragon slayer 2 sort of really kicked off um and yeah like the really nice thing is that also i think it, it proved something internally as well like that that i'd been fighting for and that was that Quest, the thing I was saying over, like if we're if we're doing old school RuneScape and we're doing old school RuneScape right, quests need to be one of the things at the absolute core of it because quests are a huge part of people's nostalgia for mm. this game. And it was Dragon Slayer Two that I think started to show that to people internally as well. Like it's they quests started to properly appear on our roadmap after that. I think because of that, because like yeah, maybe Monkey Madness Two was a fluke. Like, it was the first time ever done. Obviously, we were going to get hyped, but. Dragon Slayer 2 was even more successful than Monkey Madness 2 was. Like it showed people that it was really like there was something there that people maybe actually do like quests and stories and um Yeah, I think it did definitely played a big role in uh sort of starting a change in attitude at Jagex, uh to uh 
whether this is something that should be happening and they should be doing. It's cool because, like, you guys have just absolutely captured what the Gowers did with questing back in the day, and you've just, like, revamped it in such a good way. Like, questing still feels nostalgic, even though even though Desert Treasure 2 literally came out last week. It already feels like, oh, that's that's always been a part of the lore. You know what I mean? Like, that's an amazing... That's amazing to have uh, accomplished something like that. So yeah, that's always a. Uh, it's always been that sort of like balance of um, these quests. They they need to feel like you're experiencing those original quests once more. Like and some of them like there's there's a terrible lack of originality with so much actually what we do with quests. Like oh, it's core of core of it. What's Desert Treasure Two about? Oh. The archaeologist has found another strange thing in the desert with some treasure in. It's locked. You need to go collect four items themed around the four Zerusian elements from four different bosses across the world and come and open it. And inside, it's not the treasure you think it is. It's something else. And uh, yeah, it's terribly unoriginal. But like, just stuff like that. It's like capturing that nostalgia and basically yeah. sort of like dialing up to 11 is kind of what we've always been trying to go for. It works. It works with our community too. Especially because like most players have been playing for you know i, I want to say you know 20 years but at least five plus years and people kind of start just clinging on to the nostalgia of this game so i think you guys do it brilliantly um i have a question here on twitter from furry wall he asks what quest lore would you have taken a different direction had you started it back in the beginning that's a... So, maybe kind of like, I don't know, maybe have like a, a cheat answer, maybe not, not quite. But I don't know, like, when I think if you sort of like um, ask players, uh, oh, who, who, who does what? stories and stuff like that what 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 stories are people known for i'm like i think the one people probably say i'm known for a lot is the karen stuff because i've done pretty much all of it but that said even while i've done most of it and most of it sort of like being my most sort of like original works the opportunity to do something that's not happened in runescape um a lot of it is actually only the way it is because of the the stuff that i was given at the start but like you know, obviously when Karen launched, one of the huge criticisms was, there's no story here, there's no quests, like, this is not what RuneScape is. Um, but there was still a little bit, there was still some very sort of, like, basic background elements that had already been uh, uh, written, so, like, um, I actually probably would have, probably wouldn't have done what we've done with Karen had I been there from the very start. I don't actually know, I don't know what, I've, I don't know what I would have done with it, but um, I probably wouldn't have actually done it that way. I think a lot of what we've done with the Karen storyline has been, uh, sort of based on that in what we were given initially mm. and yeah you know, i think it's fair to say that what we were given initially you know, there was some there's a some stuff to like that i do think some people may be a bit too harsh on the original karen launch and i think this may this might have been one of the situations where i sort of like taking the player hat off and putting the developer hat on and sort of like un having a bit more having understanding like the achievement that was there in that um 
I think they only had like six weeks to develop that entire continent. Like <laughs> they, they were, they, they were, they were, they were screwed over hard. Like uh, they were not given the time needed to to do a good job. So the fact that there was still some things there that were good, that some of those activities were interesting and different and stuff like that, yeah. there's still some stuff to be commended there. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot that you know wasn't great. Like the having these five houses that kind of agree with each other and kind of don't. And like I, I get what they were going for. Sort of like Game of Thrones was like you know all the rage back then. It was all yeah, like you know yeah. Game of that was like peak Game of Thrones hype around sort of like, <laughs> like late 2015, early 2016. Like I get exactly what they were going for, but it didn't really land. And then like you can. You can obviously redevelop the landmass. We we can like uh, redevelop the activities. We can fix up the favor system. But lore is something that's a bit hard to fix up. People don't like you retconning things. It doesn't feel right. It feels off. Um, so, like we kind of we kind of stuck with that like kind of budget Game of Thrones that was going on there, and like use that as a base for a storyline. To be honest, like I, I don't know if I would have actually done used that and done that had I been making it from the beginning. Um, so yeah, like. Probably, yeah, I don't know, maybe an interesting answer one people wouldn't expect given how associated I am with the Corinne story, but like, I'm, I might not have actually told it that way. Yeah. Um, I still love it. Like, I still love what we've done there. And like, A King Divided, um, like, again, I struggle to, when it comes to my own work, and I'm probably way too critical of it, but A King Divided, like, even while there's still quite a few bits of that quest, I look back and I'm like, mm, don't like that, wish I hadn't done that. On like it's one of the ones that I more lean towards being positive on. Like if nothing else, like it was an opportunity to do something that was uh, primarily like my own work rather than um continuing a storyline that someone else was telling, and that was like really fun to do and something that uh yeah, I'd love to do more of them. There's unfortunately like so few opportunities to do that with a game like uh, RuneScape because it's just it's so much of it is building on what's already there mm-hmm. as as it should as it should be. I'm, I'm not going to complain too much because like as we were just saying about like the whole nostalgia aspect, that's exactly how it should be. We should be building on what's there. We shouldn't be taking it in weird and radical directions because then it stops being uh, old school. But um, uh, for Crimson Storyline, it's something like a really fun opportunity to sort of like scratch that itch a bit of doing something more more original, but. Yeah, like maybe had I worked on it from the very beginning, I might. Who knows? I might have taken it in a very different direction. Yeah, you kind of just got to build off the foundation. I do have to say though, like Zaya, yeah, it was kind of a train wreck on release. But I mean, for its time, it wasn't. Yeah, I think we have to kind of like look at it in a different perspective. I mean, just knowing the resources you guys had, like just the minimal resources. I will say though, it is really coming together. Like it's looking beautiful. Except, you know, obviously Lova Kang, Arceus, and uh, Piscalarius, Piscalrilius, or whatever it is. That, those three places are still atrocious. Like, I'm like, very excited for those to, like, get fixed up. Arceus, dude, I, I, whenever I teleport into Arceus, I'm just like, this is so depressing. Like, everything, it just, it's, it depresses me. So, as soon as they get their reworks, because, I mean, to be honest, Shazian used to depress me. Now it's absolutely gorgeous. So. Shazing was great. I remember, like Shazing was the one I think we used a fair bit when we were sort of like internally like showing that we need to do something here. Um, and I think one of the one one of the comparisons we made was that uh, pre rework there was a tent in Shazian where the tent was the size of Rimington, and in that tent <laughs> there was a table in the middle of that tent, and the table inside the tent was bigger than one of the houses in Rimington. <laughs> and that was one of the things we sort of like sort of like said, like, look 
we we ballsed off a bit here. We kind of need to make some tweaks to this one. Um, it's one of those really interesting things when we, when we talk about Crenvo. It's sort of like, as you say, it's like sort of, it was sort of in that era where uh, things are a little bit different. It was very much on the borderline as well. It, it, like, it comes from that sort of same era where we were sort of like doing uh, like um, sort of thinking about quests a bit more. Like Monkey Madness Two came out not long afterwards, and then it was sort of by the uh, by that time next year we were already starting to talk about Dragon Slayer Two. Like it was, it was it was very much an era of changing old schools. Could had like a good couple of years at the start of being the the weirdos in the corner that nobody talks to because they make the weird old version of the game and they just they just do what they can initially you know not even having an artist at the start just like throwing shit together like that sort of thing um and it's stuff like um like the Kren launch but yes a lot of it didn't go great but had it had that not happened would that would we be where we are now sort of thing so it's like weird and interesting questions of like showed that there was ambition but not the budget to back it up and yes. that there was potential that wasn't getting properly realized that that and the reworks sort of, i guess only reinforced that there was actually so much love about Karend, but there just wasn't the time or, or money to like make it what it should have been and that as soon as we started putting that time and started making unique quests doing the reworks and stuff like that making the tents not a stupid size that it all started to come together of a wow this is actually has real potential so like it's one of those weird things it's sort of like in some ways, sort of like, should the Karen launch have happened the way it did? Probably not, but at the same time, it kind of needed to happen to set the to set up the, the like you learn from your mistakes. So like old school learned from its mistakes, and we did things differently. Like I hear people make that argument about EOC sometimes, and that's a that's a very dangerous argument to be making. But I, I at the same time, I do sort of kind of get it. Had had EOC not happened, like EOC was the catalyst for old school was born from, and had it not happened, would the game have just sort of slowly trailed off? Did it need that big sudden event to actually spur the creation of old school that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise? Had it been a more slower decline, like true, who, who could who could who could say for sure? But like I hear people sort of saying those things sometimes, like that's a that's a dangerous that's a dangerous statement to be making that EOC. EOC was actually good for the future of RuneScape, but but at the same time, I sort I do get where people are coming from when they say that sort of thing. And in many ways, I think Karend was maybe something similar. That it not going so well is what started to move things in a different direction for old school and gave us the old school we have now. Yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, I think you're right. The ambition you guys had, I mean, the team had back then as well, just to push something out, even though you didn't have the budget, because. I think, yeah, like you said, the the allocation of funds and all this extra resources you guys have now is probably simply because of that, uh, those ambitious projects you guys were taking on earlier. Um, I have a question about what, okay, so this is the question. What is the most underrated storyline in old school? The, the, the storyline that doesn't get enough appreciation. Storyline doesn't get enough appreciation. Um, I personally, I feel like the gob the cave goblins maybe don't get quite the love they deserve. Um, and I, see, I think a lot of people obviously talk about like, oh yeah, but, but the Marjorat are great. We love Marjorat. Do more Marjorat quests and yeah, Dragon Kid and Dragons, all good stuff. Um, but like, I, personally, I've always had a real like fondness for the cave goblin storyline. Um, and 
It never when we whenever we do like surveys and stuff, it never really comes up too high. Not it's not too low either. It just sort of sits in the middle, like um, it's sort of very 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 average scores, which sort of implies that people are just like have no real feelings on it whatsoever. It's sort of like uh, I feel I feel that people maybe uh not giving that one the attention it deserves. Um, I'm quite um quite keen for that one too. Wonder what you like try and conclude. Sooner rather than later. There's one of those interesting ones though, where um, it's pretty much the only quest line in game that had the same person working on it from start to finish. Uh, mod uh, Mod John A, I think, was his mod name. It was a guy, but he made all the quests, including the finale, chosen commander, which is the one we don't have in old school. And um, I think that alone is sort of probably why I look at it quite highly. That one one creator was able to take his work through from beginning to end, and you can like, you know, for better or for worse, you can see that it is a story that has not had any weird bumps or dips in quality, mm. sort of thing, because of that. So, if we did conclude it, I don't know, I might not actually want to change anything. I might just want to do Chosen Commander as it was done in RuneScape. Um, um, but yeah, like uh, I think it's definitely one that people uh, feel maybe need to uh, have a bit more love for. Is that something you would like to do? Like, just have your... Like, is there an idea you have that you... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Really want to come into old school, like something you've been thinking of, like a like an entirely new storyline. Uh, yeah, so like kind of, I guess to sort of like mention this a bit. I was mentioning like King Divided. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like getting to make quests, and hopefully, sometimes I turn. I think maybe from the, from a feedback we get, but sometimes I make some half decent ones. But um, there is always sort of that feeling that sort of like um. A lot of my job is taking someone else's work and continuing where they left off, um, mm. which again, as it absolutely should be, you know, said, said before, like uh, it's all about a lot. Of it's about nostalgia. Nostalgia is a good thing. It's what old school is built on. It's like we, we just, I don't, I wouldn't want to take someone else's work and not show it the respect that it deserves. Like, I've uh, from two aspects, sort of like, like I think. If someone did that to my work, how would I feel? Feel pretty shit about it. But also, like from it's what was what how the game should be because, like again, that nostalgia side of things. Like we shouldn't be taking these stories uh, and overly changing them. So it's always finding that it's always that delicate balance of uh, like being respectful of what the original quests were, and then also trying to add that old school twist onto them so they feel unique. Um, and but yeah, it does sort of the end result of that does sort of mean that like a lot of what I'm doing is sort of. Um, a lot of it's uh, it's someone else's stuff that I've taken over, and that's uh, one, that was one of the really nice things about King Divide. It really felt like it was something that was more my own work that someone else hadn't. I wasn't continuing on from someone else, and yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love to do a few more things like that. It's just um, it's just finding the right opportunities. Uh, 
with so many storylines already in game, I'm I'm always very cautious about starting new ones. We've only started one new storyline since Old School begun with the Kren storyline, and it felt like that one made completely not perfect sense because we had a whole new landmass. It needs a it needs a storyline to go mm-hmm. with it. It wouldn't make sense for for it to be too heavily tied to any other storyline. Obviously, you know we've tried to add some links here and there, like with Desert Treasure Two just recently. Um, on the whole, it needs its own storyline, but like there's not many other opportunities to do something like that. We shouldn't. I wouldn't want to just add on for the sake of it because it kind of feel like a slap in the face. I think to a lot of people that we've got something like God knows how many like nearly 20 probably different storylines that are not finished and have been going on for bloody since forever and um like then just release a brand new storyline rather than continuing on of those would be a, probably a bit insulting to a lot of people so it's not something we've done too much of but i'm i'm quite looking forward to the next opportunity whatever that may be probably with another new landmass i'd imagine um to uh, hopefully have a chance of uh, telling another new story that uh but yeah i can sort of get and ideally, yeah, take it through from uh, beginning to beginning to end. And that's sort of the other thing as well. It's sort of like there's always that sort of like, um, oh, well, how, how long will these storylines last? Even with the Karen storyline, where I've done all the quests so far, there's still a few more quests in it. Like, um, like what if someone else ends up uh, continuing those quests? How would I feel about that? Will I ever get? Will I get to take it through to the end? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm very keen and hopefully there's a good opportunity at some point soon to be able to take something from start to finish it's one thing i've not really been able to properly do so far yeah you definitely don't want to have like a game of thrones happen where like the last few seasons are like what just happened yeah (laughs) yeah very much so (laughs) yeah uh and that would make sense because like again with the whole budget thrones thing coming out with you know kingdom of grand you leaving and somebody else just butchering it (laughs) Mandrew asks, if you could remove one quest from OSRS entirely, which would you choose? <laughs> um, I feel like saying rat catchers is like a cheat answer because everyone says rat catchers. Um, <laughs> don't go wrong, like, rat catchers is shit. Like, let's, 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 let's not beat around the bush here. It's a, it's a terrible quest. But um, <laughs> like, it's also one that isn't like completely, completely like lost cause, I guess. Um, like the reason Ratcatch is terrible is, I mean, a large part of it is primarily because it's a bloody stealth section, um, <laughs> and also it's got absolutely terrible dialogue. But like you could you could fix that quite easily, and uh, we, we we probably really should, to be honest. Uh, we really probably should actually just fix it up, like give it a good dialogue pass, and uh, like tweak that uh, um, stealth section to actually not be broken. And the end result would probably be you know not too bad. So. I don't know, like, is there is there another quest out there that's really like has no redeeming qualities? Um, I don't know really, because so like, there's a, there's a fair few quests in game which obviously aren't brilliant, but just like I was just saying about like, Ratcatch, even not great ones, there's probably still something in them that's like the thing that's maybe making them not great could maybe be fixed, and the quest could like still remain like. So I don't know, is there, is there any that I'd take out altogether? I think there's probably a lot that I would tweak. A lot of where I'd, you know, consider making some changes to them. But is there anywhere I'd, where I think we should get rid of them altogether? There's, there's no hope for this quest. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, okay, so this is a question I'm just curious I'm going to ask you. Which fiction writers have inspired you the most? And, like... Yeah, with your own, I guess, narrative development. 
Um, I think it really depends, to be honest. Um, one of the one of the quite nice things about RuneScape is uh, that you know, there's no there's not like one singular storyline going through all of it. There's lots of different like quest series, and like all of them clearly have very different like influences and stuff like that. It's like as mentioned, like with Karend, they were clearly going for a Game of Thrones uh, kind of thing. So, um, I, I, I I attempted and. Hopefully, maybe successfully. Uh, people seem to like it, so I'll 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 take it. Um, tried to do a better uh, take of Game of Thrones, obviously for that one. Like you know, obviously like um, looking at like George R. R. Martin's work and like sort of like seeing um, uh, sort of like like what the way he did things and stuff like that, and trying to look beyond. Because I think the thing was the thing about um, especially back then when it, again it was sort of like the, the Game of Thrones craze. It's sort of like um, there's a lot of very sort of like surface details that it's very easy to say, oh, well, Game of Thrones is just the show where no one is safe and everyone has a chance of dying. And um, that's obviously something that the uh, one of the reasons why the series sort of nosedive towards the end and that that's what it purely became about. Became A lot of it became about shock value for the sake of shock value. But um, there's, a, there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. And um, so that was sort of like, you know, what I try to look at when doing like a uh, Kingdom Divided. Um, obviously, when doing a uh, sort of like the more like a series that really get into like the fan proper fantasy, fancy like elves and stuff like that, um, you can you can never go wrong with uh, the with uh, the works of Tolkien. Like you know, mm. he, he, it's so much of it's all based on his work, so you know, it makes absolute sense. Um, a lot of to be honest, for a lot of things, I don't actually. Um, I look more to other video games than uh, like films or books or TV shows for a mm. lot of stuff. Like ultimately, I think we're, we're making a video game. Our first inspiration should probably be other video games. Video games tell stories differently to um, other medium quite often. So um, um, I often like look at how other video games uh, do things and sometimes shamelessly borrow uh, some of their ideas, um, both both for story and for um, like gameplay as well, like. Uh, a lot of the um, sort of like uh, games and franchises that were big back when RuneScape was sort of like first coming about. A lot of stuff that the Gowers potentially took uh, reference from, like obviously they took a lot of reference from D and D as well. Um, yeah, like stealing from quite a few uh, old like RPGs. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is always a big one for me that I like to like to reference. Um, mm. Resident Evil games as well. Obviously, they're, they're a completely different genre, but there's so much that actually sort of transfers over, like, especially from the earlier games, like, so much of them are sort of built on those same foundations of, like, that same era of gaming um, and stuff like that. Um, one of the big ones right now uh, and is uh, the Souls games. Uh, yes. We see, whenever we do surveys, we see quite a reasonable overlap between uh, RuneScape players and people who like the Souls games, and uh, it, it makes sense. They uh, they like games that uh, a lot of the times can be very confusing and uh, really punish you and make you question why you're why you're playing this game. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a fair amount of overlap there, and I like, started to maybe steal sort of a bit of what they do, and it, it, of course it comes full circle because... Um, um, What's his name? Uh, Miyazaki, the creator of uh, the Souls games, he's always said that his biggest inspiration is D&D, just like uh, RuneScape's is, so it kind of comes full circle. He steals from D&D, we steal free from D&D, we steal from him, everyone steals from everyone. Um, <laughs> no, no, not steal, inspired, remember? That's, yep, inspire, <laughs> yep, sorry, no no stealing here, no stealing. We all, we all inspire each other. <laughs> 
You know, I uh, I will say the four bosses from Desert Treasure 2 are really feel like Elden Ring style. In fact, just going to Vardorvis, like just going there attacking and it immediately the arena closes up, you know, and you're just in this fight to the death basically. Really yeah. feels like Elden Ring. It feels like that um what's that like one of the earlier bosses you kill in Elden Ring that lion guy. That's what it felt like. That like uh I can't even remember his name. It's been too long since I played it. But um, yeah, just like that, where you're like walking through the water. I don't know. I don't know if you've played it, but like walking through the water and you enter, and then there's this like lion dude with the swords. That's literally what Vardorvis feels like for me. So it's cool. Yeah, but like, well, I think one of the things those games always absolutely nail is the sort of like the I guess the the spectacle side of the bosses. Like, there's there's that feeling in like uh, when you're playing a uh, one of those games where. You walk, you walk through like through this archway or something into this big open space, and straight away you go, "Oh fuck, this is a boss <laughs> arena." Yep, yeah. There's only one re- there's only one reason why this this area would look like this this big and empty. This is a boss arena. What's gonna mm. happen? Something's gonna spawn as I walk further in. Like, yeah, I think it's fair to say we definitely sort of like took inspiration from that. Like, um, um, yeah, we with all of them to be honest. Uh, one of the things we did like for DT two, but we never really done before, is had those like little mini cutscenes that introduce each boss. Um, yeah, I really want to sort of like really heighten sort of like the, the spectacle side of it and like the make each boss feel like something. Uh, it's like that first time entering make you feel like a bit special, like that that feeling of apprehension, like oh here we go, here's the boss fight. It's I it's really cool, and I love the new mechanics you guys are trying out. Like the fights just feel really cool. Um, I I was just wondering, like uh, <clears throat> I know you're more of the lore guy, but I think of these fights, and then I do think of Elden Ring at the same time, and I'm like, man, it would be so cool. Obviously, it would be hard to kind of nail, but I bet there would be a way for you guys to develop a fight where parrying is, like, really paramount, where somehow you can make it so, like, the tick timing on your weapon can sort of be canceled out, and you can click right as the enemy's about to attack or something and, like, nullify their damage or whatever. Like, there's... I feel like there's just so much potential, and you guys are seeing it, and you guys are introducing it uh, very carefully, and I think it's, like, really good that you guys are doing that way, but I get excited about future bosses, especially with just how successful these uh, latest four have been. I think I think with DT2, probably one of the big ones... Like the the big the big step for us was uh, was with Vardorvis with the uh, with the, the, the I guess the, the quick time event is probably the best way to describe it with the sort of like things appearing on screen you got to click on. Mm-hmm. That's, it's probably that's really probably the first I think that we've taken um, we've come at a boss from that direction. Like we don't really do much sort of like stuff that's sort of like I guess two D interface driven in our boss fights. Probably partially because we're terrified of third party <laughs> clients just trivializing it maybe, that's but. True. Um, but like I guess so it's always, it's always felt like very alien to us like um things happen in the in the 3D space in the 3D game world like uh, we don't we, we can't be having a boss fight that sort of starts becoming like uh, more like on the like a 2D interface sort of thing and mm-hmm. we were we were really unsure of that one to be honest like uh, it was one, it was one of the first things we developed for DT2 actually was that um quick time event like Back before we even properly started developing anything, we were just doing pro- some prototyping with different ideas for the bosses, and that was one of the first ones we did. And we were like, "This probably won't work. Let's give it a go." We're in the prototyping stage, and like, 
it ended up like when we had playtests and so it ended up being one of their favorite things. We were like, we're not sure on this one. We're probably going to take it out. What do you think? We're like, no, no, don't, don't take it out. Leave it in. It's like the best bit of a fight. And I feel like that sort of that that potentially now opens a gate for lots more interesting mm-hmm. things. So like, if we can start utilizing stuff like that a bit more, um, we could potentially come up with all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful ideas. I'm a little nervous of you guys taking it too far, and then all of a sudden, like you have to type out a, a phrase or something. <laughs> How good are your keyboard That's... typing skills? Like, or yeah, even just or even like a simple letter, just 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 panicking, like looking at your keyboard trying to find the letter. I did. I did. Uh, obviously, I, uh, so many memes about that bit of sort of like, uh, oh wow, Va- awaken Vardovis fights so becomes a full full capture sort of thing. So, like, they, they were, some of those were fucking great. Like, um, yeah, just... definitely one we do- definitely one we don't want to overuse and push too far with. Yeah, but uh... <laughs> no, I think you guys have done it good with the point and click. I think that's the way you should do it. Um, it I mean, there's also a lot of potential for just you know having to have your prayer book open and then your prayers start flashing and you have to click the ones that are flashing you know just something like that and then you have to go back to your normal prayers again um but yeah you guys just i think are really starting to um not starting to you guys have already been on it but like just boss fights in general feel really good and there's you guys don't um I don't know. I think I think I feel like you guys give the players enough freedom for the fights to feel good. Even if you want it to go a certain way, you at least allow the players the freedom to be like, "Hey, like this is you can kind of, you know, cheese this mechanic, but in but it actually makes it fun in a simple way." So, yeah, you guys are doing great. Um, there's, there's, there's so many mechanics where we just. <laughs> We 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 off oh, so many times we we actually have no idea how people are going to interact with it and so many things like um, this one's obviously a few years ago now but um, everyone knows what Wooks walking is yeah everyone knows it it's something you can now do up there's multiple Boston game where you can utilize a Wooks walk but it all really properly started with uh, Vorkaf and we didn't design Vorkaf under that expectation quite the opposite and we did something back then that in hindsight was actually a really poor move on our part and something that I think we do a lot better at now is that when we saw him doing it, we were, we were horrified. We were like terrified, like, no, no, this is wrong. We, this is not how we intended you to do this. Like you're not meant to be still like fighting the boss while he's firing his projectiles. Like you're meant to be dodging the projectiles. And because he was still fighting it, the fight length was far shorter than what we'd originally intended. And we, we, I'll be honest with you, we, we panicked. We're like, shit, this isn't what was meant to happen. This is all wrong. Mm. Quick, we need to nerf it. We need to stop him from doing that. And as, as I think it shows how, like, how our attitudes have changed over time as well. So, like, that was, a, that was the wrong way to look at that. Instead, what we should look at was like, wow, brilliant. He's, he's only gone and done it again, hasn't he? Like, he's, he's, <laughs> like, he's, found, a, he's found a unique and interesting way to tackle this that introduces like um for people who want to do it like an extra element of skill of like that timing of doing that and for people who don't care can do it the way we intended and uh, our our panic and our rush to try and fix it was uh you know very much in, in poor taste to be honest like uh mm-hmm. i think i think i think now we do a lot better of uh like let's just see what people do people find all sorts of weird and wonderful strategies and like if those strategies end up like changing that our balancing and stuff like that it means oh they're getting the kills much faster than we expected don't nerf a boss just like we'll tweak the drop table or something like that or something yeah, else yeah. it's not it's not let's not take those cool mechanics and get rid of them i feel we've embraced that stuff a lot more now and it's uh, it's always really nice and it it gives us ideas as well when we when somebody comes up with some cool way of uh 
of potentially like taking on mechanic in a different way. And in some cases, you've got the skill, maybe even trivializing it, and makes just makes us go, "All right, how can we use that in a different way for the next boss we develop?" Yep, it's really cool, and I'm glad you guys you guys are really careful with TOA, especially when like the Aka, um, you know, movement started coming out, and then the Baba Red X. You guys like I feel like you guys handled it really nicely, where you're still cautious of things being broken, but you're not doing anything too hastily. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what's going to come next. Um, there was actually something brought up in the Q&A by Mod Arcane. He was talking about, well, and he had mentioned Husky in this as well as like Husky was saying that there's just something that doesn't feel good about eating food in a boss. And we still need to keep that aspect of eating food, but just the fundamentals of losing time eating makes it feel bad no matter what the case is so arcane suggestion was you know just add pauses sort of like natural pauses in the boss fights where you can eat a food freely and not feel like you're wasting time do you have any um like follow-up on that like of what you would i don't know any like suggestions on just that aspect of pvm i guess um, I think just in general, like in the past, we've sometimes made a mistake of uh, thinking that for a fight to be difficult, it needs to be uh, like completely full on. It can only it can only ramp up, and um, the time. I think um, one thing I really um, liked about uh, one of the things we didn't tell. I can't take any credit for this. Like fully, uh, Arcane who designed the final boss. I really liked in the final boss the. Um, the stagger thing he did like uh, we've never really done anything like that in uh, runescape before on the whole like um but it's something that you see in so many other games like it makes perfect sense like if you if you if you if you if you do something right like you'll stagger the boss and you'll get a moment to to do something and what you do with that moment is up to you you can use that to then go all in and like really start dealing out dishing out some heavy damage to the boss so you can take a step back and use it to like recover and like you know, going back to souls again you see it in those games constantly like you stagger the boss that can be a golden opportunity for you to heal up, boost yourself in some way, or it can be an opportunity to really go in and try and deal as much damage as possible. Um, I, want, I want to see us do more things like that. I really think that's uh, it's, it's quite interesting, quite fun doing stuff like that. Uh, interestingly, I think it's something that would work particularly well for quest bosses. For quest bosses, you have an opportunity to make the boss fight feel a bit more fluffy and narrative like i guess, and like there's fun opportunities to like do more things of sort of like that kind of stuff that maybe we haven't uh, dipped into enough yet that i'd like to see us do more of yeah i think soda seg did it well as well it's just that idea just came to my mind of like the maze that appears twice throughout the fight that is your sort of break but you're still on the clock like you still got to get through it and it's not it, it's more of like yeah just breaking up the action a little bit but you still have the action i don't know i'm excited for like future bosses do you guys have any um well, let me just ask you this: When are when do you guys plan to release another raid? Do you guys talk about that ever? Uh, we we do we do like I think there's there's nothing that has been really properly like set in stone yet. I think the general consensus sort of is so far. I think it's probably about spot on. Is that um, the gap between Chambers of Zerk and Fear of Blood was probably too short? Like those came out in pretty quick succession, one year after the other. But then on the flip side, the gap between Fear of Blood and Tusa Mascot was way, way too long. Like there was such a huge gap without a raid. So 
I think the hope is that we can be a bit more consistent with raids and probably not be delivering one a year, maybe one every two to three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, um, but there's been some conversations about what we could do. I, I like personally, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm quite keen. Um, after Tombs of Mascot was, uh, I guess, sort of like the, um, kind of like the gateway, like right way of describing it. Like, uh, it's just still, you know, plenty of challenges, especially once you start upping your invocation and stuff like that. But going into Tombs of Mascot, we very much knew that, um, we weren't going to try and do what Theatre of Blood did, where it's going to take like a full like day and a half for someone to even get first completion and like that sort of thing. That we wanted to make a raid that was a bit more um, accessible is probably the best word. Easy is the wrong word to use. I know I see people use easy a lot around Tombs of Mask, saying, oh, it's the easy raid. Like it kind of, but it doesn't, it doesn't probably really capture it. It's the accessible raid. It's like mm -hmm. it's the one that's meant to act as a gateway to sort of like if you've if you've never done a raid before. Do Tombs of the Mask at first. The invocations provide you a really good way of sort of like slowly upping the difficulty to get yourself in a place where you have maybe a bit more of a chance at the other ones. Um, now that we've done that, I really want to see us do a really challenging one for the next one. Like, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that whatever we do for raids for it, uh, we we recreate that sort of like Theatre of Blood experience, or or indeed Inferno, where it takes like a couple of days for first completion. It's been so long since we've seen something like that. Mm -hmm. we've, we've, we ever so slightly scratch that itch every now and then, like a little bit with stuff like I guess the Awakened bosses did a little bit, but it's still just not quite the same thing. Uh, I'm quite keen to see us uh, do that. It's just so tough because one of the things that was mentioned is like the reason those pieces of content are so difficult is because there's just such a like it takes time to get to the final part and you're just working your way up where like if you just release a single boss that's a few minutes long it's just instant and like that's why the inferno and theater blood just took so long is you're just having to constantly reset back to square one again and build your way back up yeah exactly yeah and that, that's why a raid seems like it's a really good opportunity i think for us to really push the boat out I mean, obviously, this is just my personal opinions. I have no idea what we'll do with uh, the next raid. Like I say, we're not at that point of sort of like planning that yet. Um, but yeah, when we do, I'm hoping we uh, we 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 do a theater of bloods kind of thing for it and try and make something that uh, it really does become about that 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 journey to the final boss. And, and yeah, if you fail, you've got to go right all the way right back to the start and like who will be the first to get it? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um... One of the things, and you mentioned this in the Q&A, like, it was brought up about the difficulty of the bosses during Desert Treasure 2. This is definitely the hardest uh, the encounters have been during any quest. And it just, it's like you're just thrown into the fight and a lot of the time people are dying. Like I think I died two or three times during the quest. <laughs> I just had no idea what I was doing. And the last bit, like that, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine going like... A, doing a blind playthrough on those final four like Barrows Brothers um, guys like at the very end of the quest like doing a blind playthrough through, through, through that would be very tough because I had no idea what I was doing the first uh, guy so what are your like thoughts on people questioning that do you like where they sit I think yeah uh... I think they're, they're they're about where we want them to be, and um, it's kind of similar to what we were just sort of saying about Tombs of Mascot, where um, I think it's really important that we have content in game that is content that acts as like a bridge or a gateway or whatever you want to call it. Like for for a long time in in old school, there's sort of been this problem where we've had 
I guess what you'd call like the end game piece of content, like um, Inferno, uh, um, for a lesser extent, Theater of Blood, more so at launch, obviously less so now. Um, like these very aspirational like piece of content, like super end game stuff. Um, but the journey to them being like really unclear, like there's this huge gap between sort of like um, stuff like you're getting your fire cape at Jad. And then you sort of like you kind of sort of it's kind of implied after you've got your fire cape. Okay, well now the inferno is the next thing you got to do because it's literally just round a corner. You got to use that fire cape. You just got to sacrifice it. Then you can hop into the inferno. It implies that's the next step. And obviously it's not in the bloody slightest. You know the the gap between them is absolutely immense. And I think something the game lacked for quite a long time is um, stuff that bridges that gap a bit. And that's all what we've been trying to focus on a lot over the past uh, few years. Um, Things like uh, adding the entry mode to, to Theatre of Blood, doing the invocations of Tombs of the Mascot, um, stuff like that. Uh, like starting to like create that a better journey from mm. uh, from I guess what would... De- the definitions about like players and levels are already are always really a nightmare in our game because we've heard something as mid level and then suddenly uh, you know we've got a. a angry mob at the gates like uh, that's not mid-level that's high level or vice versa sort of thing mm-hmm. but um um kind of a definition is kind of i guess irrelevant up to a certain point the point is that you know that there's these big gaps and that it makes it very hard for people to get to learn the end game and as a result people never get there which as a result means we don't do any end game content because nobody's getting to the end game and it's hard to justify it so like, i think it's really important i think it's really good for the past few years we've been focusing on quite in some cases quite aggressively like bridging those gaps and dt2 i think it's all like the next step about a really important part of that that quests offer us a really good opportunity to bridge those gaps and introduce uh concepts that if you want to start engaging with uh higher end end game pvm you're going to need to become quite familiar with and and if you don't want to engage them you know it's just a one-time quest boss so you know it's not like something you need to do over and over again sort of thing yeah. like they offer that really good opportunity and that's something we're really keen to do for Desert Treasure too. Like on paper, like the numbers, like the actual stats of these bosses, they're all actually lower than um, other Grandmaster Quest bosses. Like these bosses have lower stats than uh, than Galvec or the Fragment of Seren. Like uh, they're, they're, from that side, they're actually technically easier. They're, they're all about the mechanics. These ones, and um, that's what makes them difficult. But that also is what makes them in themselves also accessible like um you don't come to this boss and like obviously you know gear always matters if you come to a boss with a twisted bow compared to a rune crossbow you're gonna have a better time but bosses that have been balanced around you know you can actually kill them these bosses in pretty relatively budget gear so much for focus actually on your own personal ability and your own like self-improvement like because of that they feel like they they do feel like accessible to a certain extent like uh Oh, I've got to this boss. I can't kill it. I've got to go away and like earn shit tons of money to buy this next item, sort of thing. No, 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 no. You're dying of a boss because you didn't dodge that attack and it smacked you in the face, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's learning opportunities there. Um, and I think that's something really important for us to do. I know I know not everyone agrees. I know some people don't like that. That they 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 don't think that things like the quest cape should be building in difficulty. But ultimately, um. If they don't like what 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 is what is the goal like what what why 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 like different people obviously play the game for different reasons. Some people just want to play the game to uh, just just chill and relax and just mine all day. Uh, but other people want to go for the end game stuff. And 
like the problem is like if you just keep everything the same difficulty and don't have that progression don't keep bumping things up that like yeah you can sit there and mine all day up to a certain point but there needs to be something else at some point you're going to get bored and you're going to want to do something else if we don't keep pushing things up and like you know pushing the boundaries uh you're going to run out of things to aim for and that's all sort of what it's uh kind of like that's what our focus sort of is with stuff like this is um Gently pushing those boundaries up, like here, here's a slightly harder boss, and this one it'll teach you a few things about in-game PVM. And like, if you learn those things, who knows? Maybe you might find you enjoy it. Maybe you want to do in-game PVM sort of thing. Um, that's sort of like the uh, sort of like attitude we've been sort of like taking to it. I think it's definitely the way to go. I, I'm I'm very pleased with it, and like you said, not you can't please everybody. This is so. This is a concern I've had for a while now. Is like kind of bridging skilling into that more difficult avenue not difficult but like just challenging just you know that that idea of like pushing skilling that same direction because what it feels like is at least in my opinion when a skilling update comes out it feels like it's made for a toddler but then any pvm that comes out it's like you're really trying to push that envelope and it feels like we have this vision as the community and as like the team at jagex that like skilling needs to be super super easy and for everybody day one now obviously hallowed sepulcher is an amazing update that like really pushed those limits and i wonder like do you guys as a team like are you are you guys thinking and uh planning for any like difficult um skilling content in the future that kind of almost correlates with how pvm goes I think it's something we definitely like want to do. I mean, it's something I know I personally have wanted to see for quite some time. But um, like, take skilling bosses for example. Like the first skilling boss, Winter Todd. <laughs> We've obviously talked about that one already. Like <laughs> that sort of set a, a certain standard yeah. there that has been followed to a certain extent with other, not just skilling bosses, but other skilling activities as well. Like obviously, there's a fair few parallels with like Temporos and even like non-skilling bosses, like skilling mini games, like Guardians of Rift. You still see a few parallels there, and like. Um, but there's no reason why it has to be that way. Like, so we take take Zalcano as an alternate example. Obviously, Zalcano is still it's still pretty damn easy in the grand scheme of things. But it, it the the gameplay wise, you sort of see it, it plays more like a traditional boss. Mm-hmm. So even while like so even though the difficulty's not there, it shows you that like mechanically that skilling activities can be used in a more traditional boss like encounter. And I'd be quite keen to sort of see us sort of like push that a bit further. Like Sepulchre's obviously a really good example of something that did that a really good job of that. One thing I think is an issue for us right now, and to be honest, a lot of this is about perception. There's no reason why we couldn't change this, uh, but right now it's sort of like when a game has been around this long, certain sort of I guess informal rules get established, and that is that um, like bossing, like in game, it's not about gaining XP. Like you don't, you don't go to a boss to, to train up your, your combat skills, that sort of thing. You go to a boss to get to get loot, you go to a boss to make money, to get items, get uniques, that sort of thing. And with the skilling activities we've done, the vast majority of them, including the skilling bosses, they've been primarily focused on gaining XP. And straight away, as soon as you're sort of like taking that attitude, like the way you have to approach the design is completely different. Because like... Yep. Like, um, if, unless you're an Iron Man, by the way. Um, like... <laughs> If if you are not capable of um, taking on this boss and getting this unique, you could probably go buy it instead. You can like do some different activity, earn enough money to go buy it. 
But if you can't, it, right now there's this sort of thing in game where like if you can't earn the, if you can't engage with like the skilling activity gives the most XP, there's no other way around that. And right now there's sort of like a, with the game having been that way for so long to change that, um, it's something that would be you know, a bit, bit controversial, I imagine. Like, so there's sort of like, I guess, two potential answers there. Like, do we start to pivot skilling activities? So like, builds more skilling activities that are less focused on XP gain and more focused on gaining items or do we maybe rip a band-aid off and start saying that no 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 if you want to earn the highest XP rates you need to get good basically um, there's a few interesting questions there that I think uh, are maybe some of the reasons why we've been a bit more cautious about sort of thing like bosses already exist people know what bosses are we had a harder boss maybe maybe less people can do this boss than before but ultimately like they know the process they know how this works Big, big hard boss. Maybe I can't kill it. It drops some cool items, get money. But with skill, with skilling activities, you get a bit more extra complication there because of the whole like, should everyone have access to the same XP gains, that sort of thing, and uh, all that fun stuff. My thoughts on like that question is like, okay, so there are dedicated skillers that really don't care necessarily about just going hard in the game they just want to gain their xp and runescape is built upon like just putting in the hours not trying to learn some crazy methods so and we saw it with sepulcher like just the amount of uh just a lot of controversy to be honest in the skilling uh, atmosphere before and like right after it was released of like okay this is now the very best thing to do by a mile and now we have to learn this crazy stuff um in my head i'm just thinking like they're I don't. I don't even think these really challenging skilling methods should be anywhere close to the best skilling um, XP per hour. I think it should be almost like just a very rewarding thing. I think we like uh, the team should focus those really challenging skilling methods on rewards only, and then just have it be like I don't know, just around like half the maximum XP per hour you could even get. So then there's absolutely no you know, there's no argument going on about like the rates and like the skilling rates. Um, because I feel like a lot of people just want to, I don't know, at least in my head, I would love it if there was like some sepulcher 2.0 that was just like the XP rates irrelevant. Like it would just be a super challenging thing that you are getting skilling XP in, but it's mainly focused around rewards and just fun and like pushing the limits of your skill. And that's that's personally like the road I would like to see skilling go down. And then, of course, you're not having uh, all the disagreements and the controversy within XP rates. But yeah, it's a tough one for sure. Yeah, I, I'd I'd love us to do more things like that. Like, obviously, ag agility was probably I guess probably one of the easier ones because it just it just makes sense straight away. So like dodging round things, dodging mm -hmm. obstacles, like it fits right away. Like, what other skills could we? do that with but don't just end up becoming another skilling boss um thieving is almost sticks out to me. i think there's something really good we could do with thieving like that like imagine pyramid plunder but actually like good and challenging and intense yeah, like of uh, yeah. properly properly raiding a tomb and stealing things from it i reckon there's some really good opportunities there but yeah i really hope we sort of like uh, delve into them at some point yeah, it's definitely a lot more difficult with the traditional gathering skills like you think of something that would be I don't know. I, I just think um, as developers and as a community, we need to kind of like look outside of the box. That's just my opinion, mainly because I think all skilling is pretty dull. And I feel like the community kind of thinks that. And the only way for it not to be dull is just arbitrarily boosting XP rates with every update just to make it 
feel like you don't have to do it for as long, which is just the worst way to go about it, in my opinion. Um, anyway, yeah, just a little side thing. I have a question for you. Just I just want to kind of pick your brain. What are what are like your three favorite movies? Oh, three favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess I asked that some just kind of just wondering where you maybe get some inspiration as well. Like, do you have like fame or do you have like uh, favorite directors as well? Um, so favorite. So those things where I think it probably changes a lot depending on like mood and stuff. So, um, and I guess over time, like my opinion on films has changed a fair bit too. Like, I found that. Um, just these days, like, I've become very, um, I don't know what the right word is, um, I don't know, what's the, what's the opposite of snobbish? I don't even know what the right word is, but it's sort of like a, I've become very, I've become very carefree with, like, films recently, and that, uh, mm. I've kind of, uh, and this is just probably, like, like, absolutely terrible thing for someone like me to say who's meant to, like, care about stories, so I kind of, like, lost interest a bit in, like, films as a mef- as a method of, like, telling complex stories. I've, I've found that these days, like, that games have come such a long way and uh, TV has actually come a fair way as well, that those are both bigger, like much, much better mediums now to tell complex stories. So I must admit, when it comes to films these days, I'm actually far more interested in just how much shit blows up on screen and stuff like that. I've become very crude, I guess. Um, like one of the, one of the films, um, like... Um, for recent years, I absolutely fucking loved it. I, I loved uh, Top Gun Maverick. Like the story of that film makes no no bloody sense whatsoever. <laughs> don't don't watch that film for the story whatsoever. But it was, it was just really yeah. fun. It was just a really enjoyable film. That's how myself. Yeah, more and more, just like for films like that sort of one, I get want to get out of them now. So like like obviously not a sh- completely shit story, like a story that like works, but um, that's just more a bit more fun. Like uh, like a bit more like um. Uh, like less focus on something, telling something really complex. Like uh, I found that more and more, like TV and, and games, are just doing a much better job at that. Um, and that said, completely con- contradicting that, uh, there are some exceptions. I do still quite like a fair few of. Uh, I think we mentioned him earlier, like Christopher Nolan's films. I do, I do quite like a lot of the stuff he does. Um, like uh, it's always just something a bit different there with what he's uh, doing. Uh, Inception is still probably my favourite of his. I found them. Um, I do find some of his more recent ones uh, are maybe starting to get a bit too convoluted. He might be showing <laughs> off a bit too much. Um, like uh, take Tenet for example. Like, I watched Tenet and um, it was good. Don't get me wrong, it was good. There's some really interesting concepts there, but um, I don't think it needs to be that confusing. Um, See, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just not smart enough. <laughs> no, that no. I think part of it is ju- it's just to basically mind fuck you. But like yeah. that would that's that's the idea of time travel. I would like to see you do for a quest, like something that's actually just like what is going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I re- the concept. I really like the concept of that film. Like, yeah. I, I, it was a really good concept. I don't think the film did maybe necessarily a brilliant job of uh, putting it into practice. Mm. Um, I think it had potential. It wasn't quite fulfilled like which is like i say i think why i prefer some of his earlier films like inception i think was like the right balance like an interesting concept but uh, didn't go too wild with it and too out there um so i think what are the what are the films um i mean obviously like i'm i'm you know i'm like every other bloody person that plays runescape i'm a typical nerd so the all the old sort of like classics like star wars films uh and that sort of thing always love those um 
Nothing, hopefully nothing. I don't think there's anything too uh, too out of the ordinary there, really. Okay. Um, this is an odd question, but I, I want to ask it. Do you dream vividly? Like, do, does dreaming have anything to do with you designing narratives or stories? Uh, not really, to be honest. My dreams are full of complete and utter rubbish. Uh, a place, <laughs> my a lot of my, a lot of my narrative work comes um, in the shower. Showers are a really good place for okay. me. Like I, I have very long showers, never intentionally. I'll get in, I'll get in the shower, and like right time for a quick shower. And fucking like half an hour later, sort of like oh, I should probably get out now. But I just started thinking about like stories and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Like, so something's just come between all sorts of weird places, like like not dreams, but sometimes just before going to bed, like um, mm. you spend a whole day trying to think of something, just not it's just not working. Trust not not just on the narrative side, but also like I guess for the actual like um, gameplay and implementation side as well, the actual like developery side, like in a whole day, it's like something is just not working, something's not coming into your head, it just doesn't fit right. And then finally, like, get to the end of the day and going to bed and like lying down, but it's like no wait, there, there's the answer. Mm, Better not forget cool. that. <laughs> uh, do you ever get writer's block or you know story block? Um, kind of like not fully, but there's definitely some things that come together much faster than others. Like, like, like obviously, like I said, Dragon Slayer two earlier. Like, wrote pretty much that entire thing in uh, two days, and I think the more notable thing is that. It was a solid like just two days over weekend of writing this, and that the vast majority of the quest that launched is the same as what was in those documents. Um, is I guess the other thing as well. Like it didn't really change too much. Like there was a few, there was a few changes here and there. Some quite notable ones. Uh, the death of a certain cat included was not in the original document. Um, but on the whole, it stayed pretty damn similar. Um, then there's others where like it takes a lot longer and like. It's, it's never flown writer's blocks. There's always ideas. There's always like things getting written. But like, there's some where it's more like, I'll come up with an idea. I'll write something down and I'll go. I'll come back to it and go. Ah, shit. Let's do it again. Like, there's a treasure too. Um, we've been like, we were pro properly planning Desert Treasure Two for about three years before it launched. Um, and it was one that evolved quite a bit over time. Like. Like I say, planning it for three years, and there was ideas floating around even before that. It's like four four years ago, maybe even getting close to five years ago now, uh, potentially. Um, there was some ideas floating around, but even like after like we started properly planning for it, and even started putting hints in game, which we first started doing about three years ago. Um, like it's one that evolved a huge amount. And, like there was never like writer's block. Like I say, there was there was these ideas, and I was having thinking about them more and like having different ones and changing things. Um, there's also stuff like that. There's also like there's often like other influences that can like make you reconsider something. Like I'll have something like, oh, this is probably not too bad an idea. But then other things happen. I go go back to it and go, actually, let's change that now. Um, mm. I think one of the big ones of Desert Treasure Two is that our ambition for old school changed over the course of like that three year period where we were sort of like thinking about Desert Treasure Two, and I think. We gained a lot of confidence, partially because of the other quests we were releasing in that period as well. We gained a lot more confidence, I think, in being braver and being more daring and playing it less safe. And I think the original ideas for Desert Treasure 2 probably played it quite safe, and they were probably far more similar to um, some of the st Marjorat stories told in RuneScape 3. And 
and over time, they sort of like got replaced by more weird and wonderful and wackier ideas because we wanted to be a bit braver. We wanted to sort of like um, we wanted to do things a bit differently and like you know, sort of we said before, but like obviously you know, nostalgia is super important. It was so important that Desert Treasure Two immediately feel like a sequel to Desert Treasure. Like we got the four bosses, four things you got to gather. You've got a new version of a stranger, but that's dialed up to eleven. But that in itself just made it all the more important that. If we've got all these elements that are the same, it, it's even more critical that we have things that are truly unique and different, and to take some risks, not just for the gameplay, but for the storytelling as well. Um, so that sort of thoughts like, influenced it to, like, um, oh, I've got this idea, but actually, let's be a bit braver. Let's let's rewrite it to do something a bit more radical. I'm going to just change topics real quick and talk about sailing. If it passes, do you think you'll have, uh, like, is it going to be, our quests going to start kind of tying into uh, the sailing lore, or is that going to be sort of like a Zaya where it's its own storyline? I, I think they should. I, I think um, one of the big problems with like when Zaya first launched was obviously it not having any quests, and you know we fixed that by adding quests. But those quests, even now, there's still a certain feeling of separation of like it doesn't sometimes in some places it doesn't fully feel part of the world and that's why we've also sort of tried to fix it with other in other ways it's sort of like like dragon slayer 2 did a bit in desert trader 2's done it as well we're having a quest that it's sort of like primary set on the mainland that visit it that visits corend a bit and sort of like ties things together but even still even now there's sort of like there's still in a lot of places a feeling that um it's a bit more disconnected um if sailing passes I think right from the very beginning, we need to make sure it's properly integrated. And like um, the team working on that, you know, they've already been uh, like, in fact, just this past week, they've sort of like been looking at like integration in like the existing game and so on, how it fits in and around existing quests and that sort of thing. Should these quests include sailing? And I think it's definitely sort of like the right way to go. I, I'm very keen on like uh, if it does pass on seeing if there's interesting ways we can integrate it into like other stuff we're doing quest wise uh maybe some of them more obvious than others like um you know there's a, there's a pirate quest series that sort of feels like an obvious one if sailing passes yes, like we should yes. we should make if sailing passes we should make sure that the pirate quest series is fully revolves around sailing and that's a quest series that i can see taking two very different directions at this point like if sailing fails it's going to go in a very different direction to a sailing passes it needs to be a part of it if it passes maybe some even well, some weird and wonderful ones as well like who's to say that sailing couldn't feature in other quest series that may not immediately be obvious that it would fit into yeah that i definitely pirates like those need to be like the key thing I, I was always thinking like if sailing did come out this is like years ago i remember thinking like there's that there's that uh pirate ship and like the pirates hide out deep wilderness and i was thinking how cool would it be if like you could be out in the open waters like 60 plus wilderness just battling each other out in the open seas like oh my gosh i i'm very excited for sailing i'm do you do you worry about sailing by the way um Especially in regards to like just changing the game fundamentally, potentially. I think it's 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 a risky one. Like it's it's a delicate one. Like of any new skill, like you know, it's such a, it's you know something we've never done before. We've tried before. It's failed multiple times, and like uh, it's something that everyone is very cautious of. Players are cautious of it. That's why they voted no to the last few attempts. We're cautious of it as well. Like, um, but. It feels like we are 
that this is the right time sort of thing that like um we've um you know we've we talked earlier about how uh like the last time sailing was polled as a skill like uh, was in the same era sort of like that first uh Zaya launch and stuff like that and obviously had sailing launch it'd been an absolute you know disaster and that would have been you know again it was just, you know, probably no fault on the team themselves I mean, they'd have had great ambition but would not have had the resources to make it happen old school's in a different place right now and like you know we've seen like like with updates we've done recently that we, there's 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 budget there to back up that ambition now and that there's like with sailing or indeed you know if, if sailing fails and we we try another skill instead like whatever it ends up being that there, there is a there is a lot of uh, good reason to sort of like uh, believe that you know it would not go that way that like uh, that ambition can be backed up now by the tools and technologies we have and um, I think a good example of this is um, on the topic of sailing like one of the first things people said when uh, sailing uh, uh, was sort of like one that moved forward to uh, um, if I forget the name of it like the ideation stage. Um, was straight away one of the big bits of feedback was, you don't have the tech to do this, Jagex. You you can't mm. do this. Old school is old school. And then um, um, they like um, our our engine guys um, put together like a few prototypes. Um, and these are just prototypes, like you know, not not like still very rough around the edges. But even just a few quick prototypes just showed that we could do it there's actually technology there that could be used and i think that sort of things like that like once upon a time like even a few years ago old school didn't have its own dedicated engine team like we were using the same engine that had was the one from sort of like 2007 and like, if we wanted anything new we just had to terribly and awkwardly try and work around it on our end and that's how we end up with so many weird things in game it just kind of half semi-work but now we get a lot more engine support and like we can with their help we can do like all these cool and unique things so like it presents so many opportunities that just weren't there before and it's maybe another one of those things where it's sort of like it's maybe a good thing to a certain extent that all our previous attempts at a skill failed because in doing so they've hopefully set us up in a place to you know if this one passes to succeed what out of the three skills that were proposed, which one did you want personally to pass? <laughs> so, so I've got to admit, and like you know, it's very awkward. Obviously, sailing being on the pass, it. I wasn't actually in the the, the sailing boat mm. <laughs> uh, initially. Like I was, um, I was actually quite keen on uh, on shamanism personally. I, I wasn't sold on the name, I'll admit, but uh, I th that was actually the one that I was uh, more keen on. Um, so no, I wasn't. I wasn't actually. Uh, don't get me wrong. I still liked the idea of sailing, but uh, I was about, it wasn't my favorite out of the pitches. Um, but honestly, to be honest, like all the stuff the teams put together so far, um, they're, 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 they're managing to slowly convince me on the set on sailing. Shamanism. I mean, I can definitely understand why you would want shamanism, especially with like the switching reality or the switching worlds. You know, like the underworld or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess it's sort of like a bit of a bias for me because it's definitely yeah. of the three, it's the one that straight away immediately yeah. stuck out as like the most like narrative potentials. But of course, that said, like, you know, as we were sort of just saying, there's actually a huge amount of narrative potential for sailing as well. They've done well. And uh, like so far, like the, the team working on that, they've, they've already been delving into that stuff a fair bit. So there's a lot of stuff about sailing that does still really excite me, especially like what we were just saying, like potentially do things like pirates and stuff like that. There's so much cool stuff we could do. Um, 
obviously I pretty much already know the answer to this, but how much does the team really, really want sailing to pass? Is it pretty much like a, a, like a unanimous consensus that you all want sailing to pass on the team? Um, I don't know. I, I do think it does vary a little bit. Like, um, ultimately like the old school team, like a lot of people on the team are still like massive players. Like a lot of, a lot of people on the team, like play the game yeah. loads. So when, so there's always that little bit of conflict for for some people on the team of um uh of it what hat are they wearing today? Are they wearing their uh I'm a member of the old school team hat or I'm a player of old school RuneScape <laughs> hat yeah. sort of thing and like that, that that conflict. So I don't I think I've I do think it's probably a couple of people on the team who are maybe a bit more cautious um of it. Um I think in, in, there's in general like I think the team is pretty unanimous that in that desire for a new skill, um, I think there might still be some uh, people who might 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 have preferred the other options. Like I say, I wasn't, I was personally not completely sold on sailing originally. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know how everyone on the team uh, would vote for it. Um, and I guess, I guess, also the cheat answer is that ultimately, like. Um, you know, I see conspiracies on Reddit and stuff like that. So like, team are going to put it in. Team are going to put it in no matter what. And like, uh, honestly, like, that nah, definitely not. Like, uh, they can say there's a few people on the team who I think like there is there is like differing opinions on the team on this sort of thing. And like, oh, they they they, they want to skill one different. They want to do a skill if it's the right one. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's like, I'd say it's fairly unanimous, but not still some differing opinions. In regards to conspiracies, I'm surprised there's still talk about that stuff. Like, I, the only conspiracy that I would have, like, believed in fully is if warding passed. I was like, if this, because this is back when, like, the, the poll results were hidden as well. So, it almost just seemed like this is, or no, 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 they weren't, wait, were they hidden at that time? Oh, no, you guys decided to hide them right then, I believe, on the, on the poll of warding, I believe. And I was like, if this passes, there's something shady going on. <laughs> and then when it didn't, I was like, okay, you know what? Jagex is being honest. They're they're being honest with all these polls. Yeah, like whenever anyone comes up with one of those conspiracy theories, but the one I always point to is, and it was around a sort of similar time period as the warning poll. It was that partnerships poll, yes. like because that obviously all of our polls drive business decisions. They're all about you know to a certain extent. It's a there's a, always a certain level of uh, money in there. Mm-hmm. like talking about sort of thing you know jacks is a business we need to make money like pure and simple but that one was obviously completely different in that that was a poll that was really primarily about a business decision like from from a jack standpoint it's like this is something that has the ability to make quite a reasonable amount of money in partnership with uh some very big big players in the games industry and beyond and jagex put that choice in the hands of the players the players voted no and Jack's honored that. Like, yeah, that's there is crazy. no, there is no reason to like ever believe in any polling conspiracies after that. Like, it's ludicrous. Like, if if Jagex, because I don't know, I th- I wonder if maybe some people sort of like misunderstand like um some of the more businessy sides of things that sort of like like oh Jagex have forced this thing for us. Jagex forced that thing for I'll be completely frank. Jags don't give a flying fuck about what passes the polls the vast majority of the time. If if one thing passes, if one thing fails the poll, 
like we'll just go design something else and develop something else that people do want instead like mm -hmm. it's to our benefit like if things fail the poll that suggests that people didn't want that it wouldn't make us as much money like yeah. it's not even like if people say oh there's a conspiracy jacks trying to make as much money as possible like yes jacks is a company jacks wants to make as, as much money as possible that's that's that part isn't actually a conspiracy it's true that companies want to make money but like Jagex doesn't make money by forcing things into the game that the paying customers don't want. Like, so something failing a poll, Jagex are not going to particularly care about that because we'll just come up with something else that will pass a poll. And as a result, like, it's likely to be something that will actually be more beneficial both to the players but also to the business as well because it'd be more successful because it's something people want. Like, yeah. So yeah, it, it it's silly. Like, um, Maybe, yeah, maybe once upon a time in the early days there's a reason to have those conspiracy theories, but yeah, after things like that partnerships poll, for Jagex to abort a business deal with a, with this, with a huge third party over what people have voted for in an in-game poll, like, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be a bloody person to have to explain that to said third party. It's like, hey, sorry, we're not going afford with our deal because our, because our customers voted in a poll and said no? Like, that's ludicrous. No other business in the world does that. Like, Lovely. that... That does, uh, yeah, we were talking a lot about polls earlier. This is, this is the good stuff when it comes yeah, to this. Yeah. Is like, these are the positive sides of it. But, like, uh, that level of power is pretty much unmatched. And I think some people maybe don't realize that, of just how impactful it was that players were able to vote no to that sort of thing. And, like, that's, like, that's one of the real benefits of the polling system. And, yeah, there's no reason to ever have a conspiracy theory. You can have conspiracy theories about all sorts of things. Some of them are probably true, but the polling system? Nah. Yeah, I mean, even because I remember years ago when the Duel Arena was a big thing, and I was even under the impression, I was starting to start get into those conspiracies that Jagex will never remove the Duel Arena because it's just too profitable for them. And lo and behold, they got removed, and I was like, okay, like they, they do listen to their players, and I think it's really cool. Um, I got to bring this up just because you're a J mod and uh, there was another question on it um, by somebody else, but like, what are your thoughts on botting in the game? And it seems as though there's almost like an influx of it. It seems like there's, it's like almost getting out of hand in certain places. So it's another one where, to be honest, I'm again, I'm quite lucky in that, you know, my primary job is to tell stories, which is thankfully pretty far far away from uh, botting and stuff. So, like, honestly, when it, my concerns around botting are actually probably far more like player concerns, I guess, than a member of staff. Because I have probably uh, like um, on the on the Jagex side of the works, I was not particularly exposed to it. So, um, like, I do personally think that you know. That when you look back at like RuneScape's history, there's there's a recurring theme for a lot of it. One of like the big biggest risks to the game, and bots often seem to be pretty near the top of that list. And so on one side of me, I'm sort of like, I do think bots are a big risk, they're a big problem. And like, but then on the flip side, I was sort of like, we've been having this conversation since forever. We've been everyone's been claiming that bots are going to kill the game since you know the dawn of time. It's been a problem that's been in the game pretty much since forever. And they've not done it so far. So, on the flip side, like I do sometimes feel that some people maybe over exaggerate the problem a little bit. Like, obviously, it's hard to say. Like, whenever whenever people internally talk about it, people more even know. Like, um, like the impression I get is always that there is nothing major to be concerned about. But like, uh, yes, it's a problem, but it is a problem that has always existed. It's a, it's an endless battle that Jax is always fighting. Um, 
but when sometimes you see on Reddit, so it's like, oh, the botting problem is getting worse, and like, uh, maybe, maybe not, like, not necessarily. Like, uh, it's a problem that's always existed and probably always will exist. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of a very sort of like middle of the ground kind of cheaty answer. Like, I've, yeah, I've, I don't like it. I think it's a problem. It concerns me, but at the same time, like, it's existed since forever and it's not killed the game yet. Yeah, I mean, no, and and this is obviously not your concern. It's no individual's concern anyway. I just the reason I bring it up is cuz I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm pretty much that Reddit poster that I actually do think it's gotten like more out of hand recently. And it's simply like maybe it's the fact that I don't know, it just gets brought up more and people are more aware of it for some odd reason and that's, you know, just the exposure that it gets makes me notice it more but um i don't know it's just like it feels like that is a big part of like this game's integrity and the game's health is to really talk about that and to really try to like do all we can about it and i, I feel the, the reason i like bring it up and i have a problem with it is because it seems like there's actually ways to handle this kind of stuff and it's not being addressed and it's not being talked about like, for example, just the report button alone. It doesn't feel like anybody really uses the report button anymore. I mean, there's pr obviously people use the report button still, but it, it the people I talk to don't even report people anymore because they don't feel like it does anything. And they feel like it's just wasting their time trying to report people. So now there's this, like, this culture going around the game that's like, we don't even report people anymore because it doesn't, like, it doesn't look like Jagex cares as much. And again, this is not your problem, so I'm bringing it up only just to address it because it weighs on my mind. Is like the things that we could be doing to help with botting, and it's just kind of going under the rug. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a concern of mine. I feel like the game's integrity, like the RuneScape as a whole, like relies on like the flex, and you know, like you want to flex your achievements to people, and when that when those achievements get undermined by robots it just doesn't feel as good and i feel like that's like a fundamental thing to like really start worrying about so yeah yeah like yeah it's 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 something that like i know like a lot of people on the team sort of like a like concerned about botting or like um and i like it's another one that I see a lot of conspiracy theories about, and like uh, as you say, like it sometimes feels like Jax doesn't care, and obviously it's hard for me to say, like completely different, like air from what I work in. But like, I've always got the impression internally that like it's something that Jax do take seriously. So like, I don't know, it's a difficult one. Like, um, I definitely, it, I definitely don't think like the the conspiracy theory that some people like talk about sometimes like oh well jacks actually allow the bots because it makes them more money like i've never really seen anything to suggest that that would be true it's i mean that that is actually confusing like that whole conspiracy is confusing anyway because it feels like wouldn't you be making more money by banning them so that they will make another account that's paying membership because <laughs> yeah, just keep because banning them they keep yeah. resubscribing yeah. i mean seriously like I, I i like i don't know how all the money's made like i don't know if it's like almost like if you ban them too quickly then they won't remake so that in turn won't give you membership i don't i don't understand the whole system but i think the my fear is that if it doesn't get addressed i, I feel like just addressing it and really doing something like as 
as the Jagex team doing something about it and listening to concerns about it is enough. But my worry is that the culture around the game is like, we don't even care anymore. Like we're just, we're so over trying to get this botting situation. solved, And it's never going to get solved. Obviously it's botting. It's a constant war. But like if, if, if it doesn't seem like Jagex is caring as much, which that seems to be the case, then players don't care as much. And that in turn just leads to less people caring about it. And then if Jagex sees like, oh, well, nobody really cares about botting, then we, won't, we don't need to do as much. And I feel like the integrity of the game just slowly goes down the bin. So anyway, that's just my you know negative Nancy input. I'm going to just add into the cast right now because I always feel the need to talk about it. It weighs on my mind a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is uh, just a little meme thing, but Ayiza asks, why though? And he says, he will understand. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand, but obviously nobody else is going to understand. So. This <laughs> <laughs> looks like a, like, you know, a weirdo responding to in jokes. Um... <laughs> Just leave it at that. We'll, we'll yep. never know. Okay. Um, Wales says, hit hit a dab for the culture. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so this was brought up. Uh, I'm just going to bring this up because I'm, 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 I'm pretty curious. But Ogre sa- asks, what happened to Quest backporting? It was incredibly popular. And he brings up an image showing like um some quests i'll link it to you if you're not on the thread real quick um oh yeah yeah um do you have any thoughts on that it's one of those really boring answers unfortunately it's sort of like um you know when we put out that poll uh this was last year when we put this poll out like uh you know it, it came with the caveat i think it was like a little disclaimer alongside it of um you know this this is not something we are planning to do anytime soon this is just like you know like putting out feelers basically like gathering gathering interest gathering opinions sort of like build long-term plans and like you know when when we do our plans for like content and stuff like we we it varies quite a bit but we look potentially sometimes up to like five years ahead and it'll change of course everything always changes you know we've got a game that's constantly evolving constantly changing so the plans change too so like it was very much just uh when it comes to thinking like in the long term is this something that people would be interested in rather than uh, is this something people want us to do now that's like that's why i wasn't done for like the um like proper in-game polling system so yeah very boring very non-answer sort of like it's something that we wanted to gauge opinion on to potentially use in the future and just that moment has not yet arrived when we want to use it like we'd already got at the time of doing putting this pull out we already had loads of quests planned including dt2 we knew what we were focusing on quest wise for the next um next like a uh, few years and while there's definitely still some appetite for this stuff like i know i'm quite keen on uh potentially uh looking into some of this stuff and like seeing what, what our own like what would happen if like back forty Walgafix sleeps, like how much do we want to change and stuff like that, uh, that sort of thing. And chosen commanders on there as well, you know, what I mentioned earlier, but potentially I'd want to backport with no changes. So like it's definitely still on the radar, so it's still something we talk about sometimes. It was never like one where there was any immediate plans and like still isn't, but 
who knows? You know, maybe soon we'll start to see more of this stuff. Now we've got DT2 out of the way, um, we're starting to look a bit more at uh, what, like, that was a big quest, like I say, we were thinking about for three years. Now it's time to start thinking about what the next few years look like. And it would not surprise me if a few of these became part of that. Very cool. Um, what are your thoughts on people that spacebar quests? <laughs> um, it depends. It, like, I guess part of it comes back to what we were about earlier when we were talking about like you know third party clients, spreadsheets, all that sort of thing. Of like, can if someone's paying their like however bloody much it is <laughs> per month, for, like if they want a space bar. They've kind of, they've they've paid for that right to spacebar and like that's ultimately you know it's their choice and like the thing I want to is I want people to enjoy the game and enjoy the quest and if people if reading the dialogue means you enjoy the quest less I I I think you might have something wrong with you but like that is ultimately your choice and like you you are you 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 do that like you you enjoy the game how you want to enjoy it the thing that I do think it's a shame like I say I think like how could you like not want to like experience like get the full experience of it but if you want to do that cool whatever like the thing that does bother me about it i must admit it's like when people say things like um i space barred through the quest and i found it boring it's like uh. you know sh no shit you found it boring you skipped half of it like, you, you can't you can't say the quest was boring if you chose not to engage with it it's like i must admit <laughs> people say things like that that does bother me a little bit sort of like yeah. uh, you you've made a choice not to fully engage with it. it's like it's like if you went to the cinema and like you like did you like i don't know like um watched half a film and then like just nip, nipped out did a phone call and came back in it's like oh i missed a bit and i don't know what's going on sort of thing like if you, if you choose not to fully engage with something like you can't then get upset that it's not uh, been as interesting it's like people who say that they, they do want me to look sort of like that was entirely your choice i didn't force that upon you you chose not to you chose not to take an interest then you can't then say it's not interesting and i think the other one is people going um oh i space watch for requests and now i don't know what to do next it's like well that's on you like that's you you've space barred like the dialogue specifically told you what to do also half the time it's irrelevant anyway because we put it in the quest journal as well so like uh read your quest journal, read your dialogue, and you'll know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I must admit, people say for some of those things, that does bother me a little bit, because it's sort of like, they've made a choice, and it's sort of like, you've made your choice, but you're now not happy with the outcome of that choice. But if someone is like fully accepting of it, it's like, I don't care about the narrative. I, I think, I don't, it does not interest me whatsoever. I'm going to space bar through everything. Like, and I'm not going to moan about it afterwards. So I, I think it's a shame, and I'd always encourage people to like give it a go. You might be surprised, um, but on the whole, like that's their choice. Like if they want to do that, like that's that's what they're that's the experience that they are paying for. Yeah, well, I think that's a I think it's a great take. Um, so that probably is in the same uh, lines as Quest Helper. Just same thing. Is 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 that your opinion with the same thing as like you're paying for the game? So eh, whatever, use Quest Helper. But you probably don't actually encourage it. There's a thing about Quest Help is like there's some parts of it that actually I do I can really like quite get behind. Like mm. I'll like I'll openly admit that like our game is quite old, and as a result, some parts of it are not particularly user friendly. And you you get the debates constantly of like how much qual is too much, and when does it stop becoming old school? And like personally, my take on it is quite a relatively moderate take i think in that for me old school isn't necessarily about uh 
janky uh, gameplay mechanics and that sort of thing. For me, old school it is about sort of the bigger stuff. Like old school is old school because it doesn't have MTX, it doesn't have EOC, it doesn't have uh, daily activities, those kinds of things. Those are the things that are why old school is old school for me more so than uh, things like, um, oh, it has to retain this same janky right-click behavior from 2004. Otherwise, it's getting feeling too much like a modern game, but jank is part of it. I've never really been in that category. So, <laughs> yeah. so like... So for a lot of the stuff at Quest Helper offers, I I, I kind of I, I kind of kind of get behind like some of the, like the little like qual features it gives you. I'm sort of like, yeah, cool, that's pretty neat. And to be honest, I would quite like to see us add some of those to 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 the game properly in future, so people don't have to rely on a uh, on a plugin to access that sort of thing. I think it's just quite cool stuff. It's not doing anyone any harm, and like a lot of it's optional anyway. Like you don't even need to engage with it. You don't want to. people still have the option to opt into the uh, the classic janky behavior if they want to. Some things obviously I'm a bit more mixed on, like when it starts solving puzzles for you, then at that point I'm a bit like, oh, it's pushing it a bit, but I think then at that point, yeah, we sort of fall into the same argument of what I just said, of sort of like, uh, I would always encourage people to give it a go first, like, you don't know what you might be missing if you don't try it, but ultimately, like, if you prefer, if you're not a fan of, like, the kind of puzzles we do in our quests and stuff like that, you know, they're not for everyone, like, if you'd prefer to use quest help to solve them, short thing whatever and and i've have had some people say to me before that thanks to quest helper they actually engage with the dialogue and story more now than before because mm. quest helper lets them skip past the bits they don't like they don't like the puzzles and stuff like that it's not for them like that kind of thing isn't for everyone some people love them but like some people are saying like it's not for me i don't like it and they before those things made quest feel so tedious and sure that it made me lose interest in the story maybe once like space bar through that and stuff like that but by having Quest Helper to help me solve the puzzles, it's actually given me a new interest in the story and the lore. I, I have, I've had people say that to me. So okay. Like, you know, okay. Okay. There's a fair, silver fair line. enough. Like, yeah, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, sort of thing. Like, not, not everything is for everyone, sort of thing. And if it's making you enjoy a different part of a quest more, then yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. I love it. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great take. It would, it would definitely do that. I personally have never used Quest Helper yet. It's just, I've, I've just been, I mean, I, I don't even know when Quest Helper came out, but I've been playing on this one account for like six plus years now. So whenever it did come out, I I will complete the quest before there ever is a Quest Helper. So one of these days I'll make a new account and uh, I'll get to enjoy all that quality of life in my, I think it's quality of life in my opinion. I've never been an avid quester. I know I shouldn't even admit that, but <laughs> Desert Treasure 2 was something special. My favorite quest, by the way, still is monkey madness too and that's an actually that's like an odd take a lot of people didn't actually like monkey madness too because of like the barge i think but i love <laughs> yeah. that quest monkey madness 2 is an interesting one for me because like got a confession here like okay. um when i play the game on my personal account admittedly i don't actually play too much these days um, but when i do play when i do play for requests pretty much every quest is one i've created and if it's not one I've created, I've probably at the very least like you know played it a few times internally, like you know be maybe part of some review processes for it and that sort of thing, and still had some involvement in it. So me, I hold down spacebar on everything. I don't want to read through a dialogue that I read through five hundred times while writing it. I also definitely don't want to read through my own stuff because it's all like I just cringe it. It's all like oh, it's my own work. I don't like that. I don't like looking at my own work. So when I'm playing through quests, I hold down spacebar on absolutely everything. So Monkey Madness 2 is actually, I think, like the last quest that I probably played through legit because it's the last, it's the last quest that I wasn't involved in because it was the mm. one. It literally came out like a week before I joined the company. 
Damn. So what did you think of it? Did you, did you like it? Um, very up and down, I think. Um, yeah. I, I think for me... It was one of the... Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. It was obviously the first one for old school, and it's sort of like where they were still trying to like work out what questing should be in old school. And, and you know, indeed, like for a lot of the quests that I worked on afterwards, we're still sort of trying to work that out. Like, where are the lines between like nostalgia? Kind of what we were just talking about. Where are the lines between nostalgia and frustration? <laughs> so many old school quests, so many of the old quests. There's a lot of frustration, and there's a lot yeah. of debate and argument over where they need to be frustrating, and like. Monkey Manus 2 is definitely one of those ones that sort of like it very it very much sat on that line. It's still trying to work out like how much frustration is okay. And like obviously different people have different very different takes on this. It's like some people go like the frustration is important. It's what makes it old school. And it means that by the time you get to the end, it's what helps with that feeling of satisfaction of like I survived the frustration. Like and <laughs> personally, like and I, I've I've definitely made the mistake of doing that, I think, myself. In mm. some of, especially some of my earlier quests, and I think you'll probably like people probably see that like my quests have evolved over the years, and that I've moved a lot more towards I guess more traditional difficulty. I've in a lot of my quests, especially the harder ones, like like we were talking about earlier with DT two, the bosses get amped up. We've got harder bosses now. Maybe some of the puzzles are more challenging, but a lot of the frustrations are starting have maybe disappeared. Like for like, one thing that people probably notice for Desert Treasure two is that um. You don't actually have to bank very often. If you're banking, it's purely probably like for the fights and stuff. There's very few places where you have to like um, actually go collect items. A lot of the items are given to you in the areas and stuff like that. Um, that was nice. That was really nice. So like, there's definitely been a shift in attitude, and that's sort of like where I personally sit now on that sort of thing. Of um, I want the difficulty to come from the actual content itself so on i want challenging puzzles i want challenging bosses on that's where the difficulty to come from on that's where the thing that people like struggle with a bit so i know they get to the end they feel like real sense of achievement i've killed this boss i've done it rather than oh it's frustrating because it, it just because it's frustrating like um take song of the elves for example like obviously there's still some controversy with song of the elves regarding the bloody library but I'd hope that people could still sort of see that even though the library is probably not perfect, there's definitely a lot of things I do differently about it now, that it was what it was trying to do was very much um, take the puzzle from the previous quest, like Morning's End Part 2, that light puzzle. It was very much like, if we took the light puzzle, if we got rid of the shadows, if we made if we did, think, if we did some like qualities, like made the mirrors stackable, so like you're not worrying much about inventory management and that sort of thing, like, would the light puzzle be more enjoyable? And... I think even today, Verdict may still be out on that one. I guess some people tell me they, they absolutely love it. They think it's yeah. like the light puzzle in Morning Bird Part 2, they say like, that light puzzle would have been fun if not for things like the shadows and stuff like that. And Song of the Elves perfected that. And I get some people say, say to me, they absolutely adored the puzzle. And I get some people come and say to me, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, everyone hated Morning Bird Part 2 and you went and did it again? Like... <laughs> It, yeah, but, um, it's just it's one of those things where you just can't please everyone because some people just do not want to do the puzzle. They just want to get the quest over with. So yeah. I feel like those are the people that are saying, why did you do this again to us? And I'm so, yeah, probably think... halfway stepped into that category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think it's definitely something that's evolved over the years. And yeah, Monkey Madness 2, like, there's some things that were great about it. There's obviously, like, still, there's... For me, there's, it has its own sort. I guess a little bit of nostalgia now. It's probably it's the last quest I did that was actually experiencing it as a player rather than mm -hmm. a member of staff, and I've not had that since. Um, but there's definitely some elements that I, we definitely probably wouldn't do it that way oh, yeah. now. Like 
there's some bits that lean too heavily into let's make it frustrating rather than let's make it fun. The reason it was so good for me is I didn't fail the barge. Uh, the barge, I did it one and done. I don't know how I did it, but for some reason, I think part of it is like just knowing that other people had a rough time and I didn't, and that made me like think the quest was even better than it was because I had a good time doing it. And then, of course, I was like really early to slash mid game and unlocking demonic gorillas was just so cool i thought they were like such a cool encounter to have like post quest i thought that was really neat so a little biased um okay so i want to just ask you uh one last question before we wrap things up and that is where do you see yourself in the next five years or where would you like to be Ooh. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot can change in five years, but oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm done yet. I, I, I'm in a, I think I'm in a good place right now. Like one thing that, like, um, I've been in Jacks quite a few years now. Like, um, I was saying, uh, like, uh, like six to seven years. Like, uh, it's a, there's a fair amount of time. Obviously, there's plenty of people would be in Jacks a lot longer, but um. I read some statistics a while back, but apparently, on average, in the games industry, people only spend five years in the games industry, and only two years at a single games company. But turnover in the games industry is actually pretty, pretty damn high, and uh, that sounds pretty believable to us from some of the things I've seen. But um, so by those by those numbers, I'm, I'm apparently one of the old guys, which um, you wouldn't really think so of a guy in his late twenties. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I, I I don't think I'm done yet. Like uh, being at Jax that long, it's fair to say. You know, there's, there's, there's been some there's been some ups and downs. We won't get into the details here because that's all confidential stuff. But like you spend spend that long at a company, you're gonna have some bad times. You're gonna have some good times. Like, but I think we're in a really good place right now with the old school team and with the stuff we're doing. There's a lot to be excited for for the future. And there's been times where, to be completely frank, that I wasn't so too sure on that. There's been times in old school's history and something like. Things are a bit iffy at the moment, but things are looking really promising right now. Like, um, even if even if like the skill fails, like the fact that we're sort of now having these conversations about this sort of stuff, it's it's really exciting stuff. There's like this big ambition here. Like, even if this, if a skill does fail, that ambition will only be rediverted into something else awesome. Like, there's so many cool things happening, and current old school leadership is really getting behind like narrative in particular as well. It's obviously really appealing for me. Like that, like. Desert Treasure 2 was the first Grandmaster quest in uh, four years. It felt for a while after Song of the Elves that maybe there was a bit of a... From, like, the Jagex as a company wasn't maybe as interested in questing, but it feels like that has sort of come back a bit now. They've let us do Desert Treasure 2. They let us go really wild and ambitious of it and do some things that we probably would never have normally been allowed to do. And so far, fingers crossed, it stays that way. The response has been fairly positive, and that can only mean good things for more awesome storytelling in the future. Like, so... In five years' time, my, my hope is that uh, I will have been able to have a really, I guess, the real hope to answer is actually, I, I want to be able to conclude a few stories. We've done it once with Song of the Elves, that's the only quest that we've concluded, and we're now in a really good place, I think, to get get some of these storylines finished, with hopefully some really satisfying endings, and uh, to, in five years' time, I want to be able to say that we've, we have capped off some storylines with some really awesome finales. I love that. 
Mod Ed, this was awesome. I'm really glad I got to talk to you today. This has been like, you've definitely been one of those guests that I've been looking forward to and getting on for quite a bit. So thank you for your time today, man. Well, thank you for, thank you for having me. All right, for those uh, still watching after all this time, it's almost been three hours, down in the description, you can go drop uh, Mod Ed a follow on Twitter. Is there anything else you'd want linked, by the way? Or is that pretty much it? Uh, nah, <laughs> Twitter until uh, no action. Shouldn't say anything about the death of Twitter. Nope, nope just Twitter. <laughs> Dude, I'm quick thing. I'm genuinely considering hopping off the platform, but it's so hard to like just... Rem- it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't even go on Twitter anymore. It's just to post my thing. And I'm like, is there a better place I can post? It's not even Twitter anymore. It's X. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. So, but uh, I'll have your link. To, I'll talk about that in another ramble or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I must admit, I, I don't use Twitter that okay. much. And, <laughs> but we've, been, we've, we've all been using it for so I long know, now. That's the problem. Like, it's, it's sort of like the song. It's been sort of like, oh, that, that's the main way of Jmod's like, I've been interacting with JMods one on one through through their Twitters, uh, but like, yeah, so I don't, I don't I don't even know what we do without it. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. T- who knows? It's the same thing with me. It's like I've just been so ha- I'm like almost held back by just removing it entirely because I just do topics and stuff through the save save on Twitter. So yeah, um, but yeah, that's a story for another day, I guess. But Mod Ed, thank you very much once again, and. Uh, Next week, guys, we are going to be having, oh, crap, oh, crap, who is it? I think it's, I think we're getting Soup on next week, so uh, I'm excited for that. He's the uh, creator of Gilinor Games, and i um, very excited to talk to him for the first time, so look forward to that, and uh, yeah, thank you again, Mod Ed, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.